What is going on everyone? This is Miles Dompierre and welcome to the 103rd episode of Xbox Chatter Days. Today, I am stoked to be joined once again by my pal, Season Gaming's very own Ainsley Bowden. Ains, how are you doing on this beautiful, blessed Saturday? Yeah, what's good, man? It's yeah, you said it. You Saturday, we're talking games, Xbox. What the hell is there to complain about? You know what I mean? Exactly. I appreciate you. Go. You're you're an awesome member of the community. We talk about video games Thanks. all the time. Excited yeah. to dive in to today's episode because it's been a few weeks. You know, we've seen the conversations about you know the <laughs> the doom and gloom, all of the uh, the pessimism surrounding video games and the video game discourse, and we're gonna be we're gonna be diving headfirst into all of that. We're gonna be talking yeah. about the performance disparity between Ghostwire Tokyo on PS5 and Xbox. We're gonna be talking about Hi-Fi Rush being a flop? Question mark. We're gonna be talking about you know the the current state of the the community's concerns regarding Xbox. I do want to highlight some of the community's concerns we're going to be sharing our impressions on dead island 2 we're going to be sharing our our greatest compliments and criticisms of xbox playstation and nintendo the state of the industry and so much more but before we get into all of that ains for the amazing people joining us live and listening on audio services give us a quick breakdown of who you are and where people can find you man yeah so we got a lot to talk about apparently Ooh, yeah, um, and you didn't even you didn't even mention that we're gonna be talking about Xbox is dead. It's oh, breaking oh, it's, news. I mean, I, that was news. implied. This is an Xbox show, <laughs> so Xbox is dead. That's uh, just a staple. ABK yeah, Xbox is dead every single week. Hope you're right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Ainsley Bowden, for those who don't know me, uh, thanks for having me on again, dude. You know I always love chatting with you. Um, yeah. Uh, so editor in chief of Season Gaming, an indie uh, kind of publication outlet channel do a weekly live show uh similar to this and uh yeah man just try to cover the industry from a positive perspective and we're called season gaming because most of us that write over there have been around a long time been gaming through all the generations uh kind of we have engineers writers tech experts there's a whole kind of range of people that write for the site so we try to bring a more seasoned perspective uh to games reviews news podcasts etc Beautiful. Appreciate it. If you guys haven't checked out Season Gaming, like Ain said, a lot of great writers there, a lot of great members of that team, and it's something that's been going for how many years now? You've been at it for a little while at this point. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, actually. I founded it literally, of course, I remember December 1st, 2015, I founded it, like set up the site, founded the company, etc. But we didn't really start kind of getting into core things until late 2016 early 2017 but still that's going on six seven years now so yeah it's been a while it's been a minute so yeah appreciate yeah. you uh appreciate everything you do the bitcast it's you know it's a it's a staple in my weekly rotation and i want to give <laughs> you a quick shout out you know one of the reasons i like having you on is you know despite your breath of the wild slander despite you being <laughs> one of those people who's like breath breath of the wild is overrated it's not a great zelda game blah blah it's all blah true. The typical nonsense that this weird group of people online spout, you know, there's the, the anti breath of the wild weirdos out there. You fall <laughs> into that camp a little bit, but I do. I want to give you some big props because I was listening to last week's episode and you guys were talking about Tears of the Kingdom. And I was like, oh, yes. God, Ains is going to talk about <laughs> Zelda. Oh, boy, let me mentally prepare. And you came out and said, you know what? Like, I wasn't that amped. I wasn't that interested until I saw that last trailer. And now. I think I'm going to pick up Tears of the Kingdom 
at launch. And I was like, see, that's why I love Ains. Despite some of the wild takes out there, he's willing to, you know, accept when something is just beautiful. And that last Tears of the Kingdom trailer was mm, mm, an absolute masterpiece. So that trailer was thank you. So so that's awesome because uh, obviously you weren't joking about listening to us. You caught <laughs> that, which is great. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, th- I don't care who you are. That trailer is brilliant. It's a three minute that like any company looking at how you cut a trailer to get people excited for your game. That that trailer is right at the top. Ooh, ooh. Um, and that's coming from someone, like you said, who even leading up like the gameplay presentation they did a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, God, it's more Breath of the Wild. And I wasn't excited at all. Um, and then I saw this trailer. I'm like, all right, OK. Or okay, now Nintendo. I'm in. OK, you, you yeah. definitely there's a lot in that trailer that you can tell expands upon what was in breath of the wild so i'm, I'm hoping you know it's been six years since that game released man yeah, so um a lot of time a lot of time to yeah iterate. so i yeah exactly so i i, I hope it's just a, a a big evolution of what breath of the wild was for me um it's a busy time of the year though man um you know all the games coming out in may and early june and i'm a diablo fanatic so yeah once the game launches nothing else will matter to me <laughs> so uh yeah it's gonna be tough but yes 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 i did yes, say that so i am hyped for it I, and uh yeah and that's why i appreciate you sometimes it's okay to change your mind we all we all get set in our ways and sometimes we uh are a little stubborn and you know it's fine um but i always appreciate when someone's like you know what yeah okay i'm in you know i was yeah. i wasn't into it but now i'm ready so yeah some housekeeping nick, nick, nick in the chat nailed it man link it to the past is the best zelda come on Oh, Nick, nail it. We just, Jeff Grubb and I ranked all the Zeldas recently, and you know what was number one? You know, it was the s of the S of all the Zeldas? A Link to the Past, baby. That's the blueprint. That's the blueprint for just open world games in general. So that game is perfection. Absolute slapper. Absolute banger, as the kids (laughs) said. Uh, Some housekeeping before we get into the show proper. Uh, If you haven't joined it, Xbox Chatterdays has a Discord. We got a lot of awesome folks in there. There is a link in the description if you want to pop in, come hang out. Uh, It is Xbox Chatterdays, but there are also dedicated channels for PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, and everything in between. So we try to keep it fun. Obviously, this is an Xbox-centric podcast, but we've made it a point over the last couple of years to really... Embrace gaming as a whole, regardless of the platform. So if you're interested, check that out. There's also a link for the Xbox Chatterdays merch store, which I'm stoked about. We got a lot of awesome merch in there. Got the Xbox Chatterdays death metal shirt. We got the classic Xbox Chatterdays logo. And we got a uh, Dark Souls inspired uh, design where I'm basically giving Solaire a piggyback ride. Um, So check those out (laughs) if you haven't. Um, Some member shout outs before we jump in. On the supporter tier, we got Christopher Davis. We got Curie Cosmos. We got Rick Zion, Buddy McClure, Neon Demon, Rumberto, Happy Cloud Gamer, Jacob Novick, Rachel, Sinful Sadie, TTV, Orange Rhino, Jigga J, Crytopsy, James, Shine Films, Derek Griffin Jones, VSIM Anthony, Assassin, and last but certainly not least, literally my mom. Uh, in the loyalist here, we have Tom Whiteside, John Grisula, Patrick, and Nick W. Shout out to Nick W. In the chat right now, representing. And in the producer tier, we got Matt Valdez, Yodani Quazada, Hargeet Chani, and Mr. Joanna Dark. Yodani, also, in the, not only as a producer, a modding like a boss almost every week. So appreciate Yodani. Appreciate all of you joining us live. If you are joining us live, hit that like button. Share it out. And let's get into it. We joked at the start of the show about... The doom, the gloom, the, the negativity that's permeating the industry right now, man. It's, it's just a bummer to be on Twitter.com these days. So I want to start, you know, 
It's something I guess I did last week as well because of all of the negativity. And again, that's not really why a lot of us are here. A lot of us don't yeah. want to talk about all of the negative news surrounding the games industry. Sometimes we have to, and we it's important to be fair and, and you know, critical when we need to be. But I want to start the show by talking about the games that we're loving right now. Outside of Dead Island 2, because that will have a separate segment. So okay. um, outside of that, what are the games that you've been loving lately? Yeah, man. So I think, uh, so funny enough, I, I think you'll get this right away, which is Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4. Um, oh. One of, you're, you're oh, gonna, oh. you're gonna, Oh. I, I know, I knew I was gonna hit you right away, but you're gonna, you're gonna turn that right back into sighing when I tell you that. Oh no. I never beat Resident Evil 4 previously. Oh, the like, OG. The OG. It okay. was one of my biggest gaming okay. gaps. Um, I don't know why I, I, I've always been gaming, and I adored 1, 2 on the PlayStation 1 era. I had GameCube at launch, and I got Resident Evil 4, and I don't know what happened, but I never got far in that game at all. So I was really anticipating this remake because for, what, 15-plus years, we've heard about how great Resident Evil 4 is. Um, so I, uh, I've been playing that, and I, got, I was burning through it right when it launched, and I'm loving it. Um, but then I got distracted because I had to do two reviews. So sadly, I'm only just now getting back to it. Okay. Um, so you still so haven't much... finished Resident Evil 4 just ever? Ever. I'm oh. on chapter 11 right now. Oh. So I've got five chapters left to go or so of the new one. Okay. Um, so loving that to death. Um, you, Everyone knows, I think that follows me. Uh, I play Halo nonstop. So I have several hundred hours in Halo Infinite. Uh, I play that multiple days per week. So that's a, that's a staple. Um, the only other thing I've been playing, which, you know, a lot of people aren't really interested in, uh, but I really enjoy them. I always have since a kid is PGA tour, which is a golf game. Uh, um, oh, yeah, I've seen but... you online with the PGA tour quite a bit lately. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Angus is getting his golf in. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It's just one of those types of games that, uh, I've always enjoyed, uh, ever since I was a kid, they're just relaxing. You can just sit there and chill, put on a podcast like this, play some golf. You know what I mean? They're good for that. So, um. But I reviewed that, reviewed Dead Island, which we're going to talk about. And then really Resident Evil 4 and Halo were taking up most of my time. Yeah, love to hear you loving Resident Evil 4. That's a game yeah. where I've been a problem over the years. We talk about why does Capcom re-release all of these games? Why is Skyrim re-released so many times? Uh, I, <laughs> I have bought and beat Resident Evil 4 on GameCube, on PS2, on Wii, on Xbox 360, <laughs> and Xbox One. <laughs> And then, yeah, no, I was there day one with the, the the deluxe edition for the Resident Evil 4 remake. And I have to say, even as a huge fan of the original Resident Evil 4, I remember that game just rocking my world when I played it on GameCube. The uh, yeah. El Gigante fight. The first time you're in there, you get into that arena, and then El Gigante comes out, and you see these little shacks off to the side. And you're like, I can just, I can just hide in the shack and shoot out the window. I can just cheese this boss, because... Fundamentally, video games were kind of kind of basic in what they could do, and we all knew the ways you could cheat the system. So I was like, I'm just going to hide in the shack, shoot him through the window, and I'm fine. And I still distinctly remember the moment of surprise and shock when I was in the shack, and he just destroys it. Just straight <laughs> smash. I'm like, oh, what? They can do that in a video game? And that just that changed everything. And there were so many moments in that game that just changed everything for me. And And that's the reason so many games tried to follow in its footsteps after so it was a very yeah. transformative moment the remake is incredible it it somehow elevates a lot of the, the story beats and moments and and makes a cohesive experience out of a nonsense game because as much as i love the original i replayed it um last october 
Okay. The story is terrible. The story is like absolute <laughs> nonsense. It's there's so many moments in there that are amazing and fun, but are just don't make any sense at all. And in this, there are still moments that are absolutely ridiculous, but they found a way to kind of tie everything together a little more cohesively, which I was impressed by. I was genuinely impressed by the storytelling and the narrative. Um, so I'm stoked. Uh, you'll, you'll definitely have to get back in touch with me once you beat yeah. it and let me know, you know, what your final yeah. thoughts are. Um, yeah. And then I would definitely recommend going back and trying the OG. It's not going to feel as great, but it still holds up for the most part. And it is, okay. it's wild how different they are. Like it's one to one okay. in a lot of ways, but there's so many key moments that just are f completely different. And that's, that's what I love the most about the remake is that as a longtime fan, they still surprised me. They gave me new stuff, which was awesome. Yeah. Did uh, you say go back and try the original? So uh, are the uh, ports to like 360 and stuff, are they the exact same as the GameCube or did they change stuff along the way? So you can get the remastered version and the, the game itself is the same. So the game okay. itself isn't different in terms of how the progression. They did kind of revamp the controls a little bit so it feels better to play though. So I okay. would say right now the remastered version is probably the best way to play it. Some people would argue that you, the remastered visuals aren't, aren't as good, the typical... You know, I'm set in my ways. I'm used to it looking yeah. like this, so it looks worse to me. I don't I don't think it looks worse. I played the remastered version not that long ago, and um, I will take slightly brighter visuals over the OG controls any day of the week. Yeah, because it was tank controlled originally, right? Or kind of half tank. Yeah, like, so that was the one where they were kind of bridging that gap. So it was right. still like over the shoulder fix when you're aiming, but then they had the, the laser sight was the big kind of gameplay twist <laughs> with that. Right, yeah. So I'm good. I'll, I'll get the remastered one for sure. Yeah, yeah. So games that <laughs> I'm loving right now, I'm with you on Halo Infinite. I talked about this last week, and you and I have had plenty of conversations about Halo Infinite, and <laughs> we are all yeah. tired of the doom and gloom saga of Halo, blah, blah, blah. Um, since Halo 3, or Halo Infinite Season 3 has dropped, I've been diving in a couple times a week. Like, I've been playing it. Nice. It was like a, a regular staple thing. Get on, play a few rounds, get get some buddies in, play a few rounds. And it's just been nice to have it, like, back in the rotation. Because for a while, it, it wasn't... I didn't really... It wasn't that I, like, hated Halo or anything. I just didn't have a huge desire to, to play. And now, um, I'm really happy with the, the current state of the game and the new modes, the new maps. Um, I, I love that there's actually, like, match-based XP now. There's a lot of, like, mm -hmm. subtle changes that have really just made me incentivized to play halo again so that's that's been nice been loving that um i'm also playing something that's coming to game pass soon that i'm excited to talk about that i can't talk about yet but um xbox game pass fans there's going to be a cool upcoming game um that i will be able to talk about soon and i'm excited and i've been loving that so yeah a lot of halo um a lot of um diablo 2 went back and did a playthrough oh. of diablo 2 to prepare for diablo 4 baby did a druid run <laughs> To prepare nice. myself for that druid run in four, so I'm with you. I'm ready for Diablo four, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I yeah yeah. Funny enough, I reinstalled Resurrected as well and did the same thing, druid. And I can't decide. What do you go? What do you go in class? You going druid or barbarian? I'm going druid. Or, I'm going druid, druid. baby. I want to. Okay. I'm a big companion guy, so normally I go necro. You know, as a as okay. a as a goth preteen when Diablo two came out, I was all about <laughs> the necromancer. Yeah, yeah, skulls. Um. <laughs> But I always go Necromancer. I always go Necromancer. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go Druid this time. I'm going to try to commit to Druid. I'm going to try to commit to Companion Druid as well. I'm going to see if I can make that work. Um, okay. So that's that's my current plan. Hopefully, I'm not disappointed. Because I know Companion in the beta was a little, a little whack. All right? It was a little weak. 
So, but they, yeah, they are said, buffing. Um, they're buffed it. Yeah, they said uh, mm. we'll see. And that uh, that server slam they're coming up in a few weeks. Uh, the the buffs are mm. in there, so you can mm. test it out before mm. launch too. But why are they doing the server slam the day of Tears of the Kingdom comes out? What's up with that? What on <laughs> earth? What's up with that? I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, okay. Speaking of Diablo and games we're excited about, another way I want to kick off the show with with some good energy is I want to know the games you're most excited about for 2023. 2023, uh, regardless of how you feel about the current news, Xbox, fumbling, blah, whatever it is. Um, 2023 is looking like one of the best years ever for video games. No just, doubt. just point blank. Regardless of where you play, it is looking like an absolutely ridiculous year for video games. So I want to know the games at this point that you're still excited about. Because we just had Resident Evil 4. We had Dead Space. Yep. We've had a lot of really amazing games already this year. And there's a lot to look forward to. So what's on your list right now? Yeah, man. So I, I was pumped about Hogwarts, which was excellent. Uh, I was pumped about Dead Island 2, which we'll talk about. Um, next is uh, Redfall. I'm, I'm an arcane stan. Through yeah, and through. okay. Yeah, um, love that. Yeah, yeah. Prey, Prey is still the best game of 2017. Go home, Breath of the Wild. Um, <laughs> but I... Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm pumped about Redfall. I, I'm really excited about that. And uh, I love. I'm like a Borderlands. I'm a loot guy in general. So if they can kind of nail the looting aspect and that co-op aspect with kind of typical arcane story level design, I'm pumped about that. Diablo is far and away, far and away. My most <laughs> game. Like there's nothing even in the ballpark. Um, I will put countless hours into that. I, I have like eight copies of Diablo three over a thousand plus hours in Diablo three. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's way up there. And then really funny enough, uh, most of my most excited, uh, most uh, games I'm excited for are Xbox titles, man. So Starfield is definitely way up there. Um, you know, I mean, well, not like we have to talk much about what Starfield's going to be. I mean, new Bethesda RPG, new mm -hmm. IP, uh, one of those games that potentially will be played forever going Skyrim forward. Skyrim you know in I mean? space, is, as Todd <laughs> Howard has coined it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a salesman's quote for sure. But I mean, he's, he's probably not wrong, right? I mean, that's kind of the theme in the sense mm -hmm. of open world RPG, do what you want in space. And then uh, I'm a big, I think we've talked about this. I don't know. I know people who follow me know I'm a big car guy as well. That's probably my second hobby only to gaming. So I uh, love racing in real life and all that. So um, Forza returning uh, is huge for me. Um, I adore Horizon 5, but motorsport is where my heart has always been. Um, GT7 is good, and I've really enjoyed the VR in GT7, but Forza, uh, I think what they're doing with motorsport and kind of what we know about the physics there, the engine, et cetera, I'm absolutely stoked for. So I think actually behind Diablo, probably Forza is my next highest anticipated game for sure. Yeah, all right, dude. It's there's so many games coming out this year that i keep forgetting about major games like i go through and i have these moments where i'm like coming up with my list of most anticipated titles and i'll put down four that i'm genuinely incredibly stoked about and then somebody will say oh what about this one and i'm like oh my god i f totally forgot this was even coming out so <laughs> right now for me redfall is probably the next big one coming up that i'm excited about despite the fact that i'm going to play it on uh you know xbox series x at 30 fps like an absolute heathen um i'm still very excited about redfall i'm still i still trust that Re uh, arcane will be able to deliver a great co-op experience so i'm still very curious to see what that is that setting for me I've, i'm sold on that world so hard it's just yeah beautiful stephen king brought to life in a co-op shooter yeah. space and that's me that is like i love co-op i love horror so from day one i was ready to you know dive into redfall and i'm still excited about redfall uh next up alan wake 2 dude it's oh, real yeah. like oh yeah 
I made a joke tweet the other day talking about how sometimes I get bummed, but then I realize that we're in the timeline where Alan Wake 2 and Dragon's Dogma 2 are real games that are coming. Right. And then I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to complain about. You know, as much as I'm going <laughs> to whine about Redfall being 30 FPS, you know, I get to play Alan Wake 2 and Dragon's Dogma 2. So let's go, dude. So Alan Wake and 2. Isn't Remedy still saying it's coming this year, too? They're still, yeah. They're still, because a lot of wow. people have said, like, we haven't seen it. Is it coming? And they just as of like two weeks ago, they came out and said, yeah, it's still on track. Yeah. We're still looking good. 2023 is still the target. So we're going to be wow. in a weird world where potentially Dead Space, potentially Resident Evil 4, potentially Alan Wake 2, and potentially Silent Hill 2 all Ooh. drop in the same year. And it's like, what is happening? We were in this drought for the longest time of big budget horror games because everyone was scared or or cautious about the sales potential of <laughs> horror and then we don't had want to hi-fi rush it you know what i mean exactly dude you need it needs to sell 15 million copies or it's a flop all right period big facts all right so, but now everyone's like everyone's looking at the data looking at trends and saying okay everyone wants horror so we're going all in on horror we're going to give you more horror than you can handle and for me mm, mm, i got no complaints there and then the last one, and I might be the only person like in the world very excited about this, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space, baby. The fact that that game exists, period, is just a miracle. I remember the trailer, uh, what was it, Summer Game Fest or the Game Awards, where it starts in like a 80s-inspired bedroom. Yes. And for a yes. moment, I'm thinking, is this a Back to the Future game? What is this? And then you see the, the lights outside. And then it cuts to the clowns. And you, and then you realize, wow, they are making a Killer Clowns from Outer Space video game in the year 2023. <laughs> no doubt, What <laughs> is happening? Uh, combine that with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is dropping day one in Xbox yes. Game Pass. And again, as much as we, we talk about some of the negative news and, and some of the, the criticisms we might have, for me, generally speaking, I have little to genuinely be upset about in 2023 because it's it's a year, dude. It's an absolute year for games, and it's nuts. I'm excited. I'm very excited yeah, about I, this year. Yeah, so <laughs> Killer Clowns is wild. Um, like, I remember watching that movie when I was a kid in the 80s, and it creeping me the heck out, right? Like, I don't want to be spun up in cotton candy, um, <laughs> you know, which is pretty much what they were doing in that movie. Um, but it, it's just, to your point, it's wild that we're getting that game in 2023. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is real cool. Hopefully that lands well like Evil Dead did, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, we didn't even mention, like, one of the other ones I'm really pumped for, Street Fighter VI. Uh, oh. I, I grew up playing oh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Oh, showcase, man. Oh. Woo. I know there. I mean, I played the demo yesterday. I don't know if you've touched it yet. Um, I haven't installed, but I haven't played it yet. So smooth, man. And it is stunningly gorgeous. So that's coming. We got Armored Core. We can't forget our brothers. Oh, from. Yeah, from that's right. From software following Elden Ring one year later is dropping a new Armored Core. Brand new Armored Core still coming this year, according to them. So, um, man, it's just and then. Silk Song is supposedly still coming sometime soon as well with Hollow Knight. Sil um, it's nuts, man. Tears of the Kingdom. The, an indie shout-out that has me just ready and is uh, the Plucky Squire. That game oh, to, big continues big, to look big time. amazing. If you haven't watched the trailer for the Plucky Squire, take a minute, take a few minutes out of your day and look at it because it is one of the most 
captivating, beautiful, interesting video game reveals that I've seen in a very long time. It's a mix of 2D and 3D hand-drawn animation. It changes the entire gameplay loop like five or six times within this one trailer. It is such an amazing looking experience. I'm, I'm so ready for it. Um, no you know, doubt, dude. I was gonna, sorry, I was gonna say, I know you were like me watching that trailer, like, cause they do the thing where it's like a minute in and you're like, oh, this looks pretty good, you know? And then it just flips it on you. Like, and what? I was like, wait, what? what? <laughs> oh. It looks amazing. And then someone in the chat said Tekken 8. And, you know, we're talking about horror and the Renaissance we're seeing in horror, both in movies and games right now, by the way. Um, Evil Dead Rise, baby. I can't wait to go see it. Uh, yes, let's go. Oh. When are you going to see it? Are you oh, going to see it soon? Right after this podcast, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Sorry. Evil DM, Dead Rise. DM, DM me and let me know because I'm not going to be able to go till probably Monday, Tuesday-ish. Okay. Um, I'll drop all the spoilers but, in your DMs real quick. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, fighting games are the same thing. We're getting, according to Ed Boon, we're getting Mortal Kombat 12 sooner than we think. We've got Street Fighter 6 and Tekken 8 all coming at the same time. Three legendary fighting franchises. I mean, it's just... I don't know how anyone can be down on gaming right now, man. It's absolutely incredible. The only thing we're missing is Killer Instinct. Where is it? Okay, Xbox. Where? You would you well, wouldn't Xbox be dead. You wouldn't problem. be dying if you had Phantom <laughs> Dust and Killer Instinct. Banjo. Banjo. Yeah, and Banjo. All right, you made those decisions. That's on you. You've you've dug your grave now. Climb in. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna get to, quick shout out to everyone who's joining us live. If you are here, having a good time, hit that like button, share it out. If you're listening on podcast services, appreciate you as well. There's a lot of people who listen to the audio versions. Um. So if you're digging the show, leave a review. Helps feed the machine, feed the algorithm, all that good stuff. But I appreciate all of you. Appreciate all the, the channel members dropping support. We got Nick W with a super chat with that burger badge saying he's excited about Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Starfield, Sea of Stars. Ooh, Sea of Stars looks amazing mm. as well. Alan yep. Wake 2 are what I'm excited for. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Any Yeah, yeah I, I mean I, I mean we didn't even mention Final Fantasy 16, Spider-Man 2. I mean, no matter where you're playing, it's it's wild this year. And I, again, for me, I wasn't that amped on Final Fantasy 16 cuz it's a franchise I used to love, but I've kind of it's ebbed and flowed. Me too. My, my passion Me too. for it's ebbed and flowed. I liked 15 enough. Um, I didn't really play 14 all that much. I'm not a big MMO guy, so I didn't really love that. I know people love Final Fantasy 14. Yeah. But again, there was that that back-to-back -back Tears of the Kingdom trailer and Final Fantasy 16 in the same day, and both just looked so damn good. The, the, yeah. the, the over-the-top combat and final 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 fantasy 16 looks so flashy so ridiculous it is the most it's it was one of the most anime nonsense yeah. gameplay showcases i've ever seen like when you were just a it giant was. demon climbing another giant demon i'm like what is <laughs> what is this man oh it looks so good yeah it's wild they went completely over the top i'm like you it's like i grew up i mean we all joke that i'm older and i grew up with the 8 and 16 bit final fantasies which are like my loves right but mm -hmm. and it it's changed so many times through the years i wasn't a big 15 fan but 16 i'm definitely gonna try it it, it looks uh it definitely that, looks that's where i'm at i i did try 15 yeah. didn't play it all that much i'm curious to see if 16 can get me back on board yeah yeah we also got to yeah, give a big man. Big shout out to Goldshell, WPR, who has become a channel member. Yo, love seeing those burgers in the chat. Appreciate all of you. <laughs> now that Twitter took away uh, the blue check marks for folks, um, I'm just, you know, if you see the burger 
That's how you know You're it's on the authentic, burger train, huh? ex- authentic Miles tweet. All right. <laughs> All right, Ains, let's talk about Dead Island 2. So if you're watching the stream now, we have some footage of Dead Island 2 up. Reviews have mm-hmm. come out this week. Or, and that's, reviews came out earlier this week, and the game dropped mm-hmm. yesterday. So the game is officially out. The saga, as many of us know, leading up to Dead Island 2 has been a weird one. The game was revealed, I believe, in 2014. Might have been 2013, even. It was 14. Yeah, 2014. And we are in the year 2023, as you all know. So it's been a nine-year saga to get Dead Island 2 out the door. It's changed developers. It's It was pretty much the Duke Nukem Forever situation where there was this game, this concept, and it was just getting passed off and passed off. And when they announced that it was coming back, when we saw the new reveal trailer, I think many of us didn't have expectations of it being that great of a game. We, um, we saw how Duke Nukem Forever turned out. Um, we didn't expect much. I think the average person didn't expect much. I love zombies. I love co-op. So I was still excited about it. I still wanted to play it. And some of the previews recently, like leading up to launch, looked too good. I I remember seeing previews and seeing people like really praise the game. And I was like, I don't know. I I I don't know that that's, I don't want to set myself up and get excited. So I went into this game expecting it to be fine. Um, I've been playing it. I'm about... 20 hours in at this point and uh, i gotta say ains they did it they they hit this game hits this game for me is exactly what i want it to be it's a a pretty straightforward dumb zombie killing game but it's got some amazing highlights so before i talk about you know what i'm most excited about the game i want to hear how you felt you did the review for seasoned gaming so what were your overall thoughts on dead island 2 yeah, real similar to you that the when I started doing every time I do a game review, I kind of research the developer and the history, right? And and kind of set it up. And the research on this game was wild. Like it, you know, debuted at that PlayStation showcase in 2014. It went through four different developers. Mm-hmm. Publisher was all over the place with it. Uh, and they landed on Damn Buster Studios, who did um Oh Homefront Revolution, play. right? Homefront Revolution, thank you. Um, so, you know, kind of it, it, not uh, what you would call a major AAA studio, but certainly not indie, right? I mean, they, they've got some talented people over there. And you're right, the previews were like, okay, this is way more solid than I expected it to be. So I jumped in, I played it on PC. Uh, I just built a new PC, so I was fortunate. It's a gorgeous game. And <sighs> it surprised me in a, in a lot of positive ways. I have one major detractor, which I call out in my review, which we'll talk about. But... I think to your point, the zombie killing and just the stupidity of taking down zombies and the humor and the antics in the game are awesome. The flesh system is literally the best kind of destruction. We'll talk more, I guess, about, you know, that we've seen in a game, period. Period. Um, It's amazing. But um, yeah, I'm surprised they landed it. And and the funny thing was what I was laughing about, because I was talking to uh, Travis was reviewing it as well for IGN. So we were review buddies on this one. so we were talking through, he was playing on PS5, I was playing on PC, and I was like, this game's really well optimized. Like, it's beautiful, smooth, I wasn't getting any bugs or hiccups or anything. And I was like, is console the same? He said, yeah. He said, no issues at all. And I'm playing it on Xbox now, uh, because I bought my own copy on Xbox, and I'm, it, again, it's beautiful. So we're talking about all these games, the 30 FPS debacle, unoptimized games, and here we get Dead Island 2, 
that's been through four developers and in development for who knows how long officially. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it lands and is like incredibly well polished and optimized at launch. I just think that's absolutely hilarious to me, honestly. I got it. Yeah, we got to give them a huge shout out because there has been so much problems on the optimization front on console and PC. This year has been a rough year for yeah. PC releases as well. We've seen a lot yeah. of high profile releases. Last of Us, Wild Hearts just have miserable launch experiences for PC players. Um, yeah. Xbox, again, there's a lot of controversy with, you know, Redfall at 30 FPS, etc. But it is a wild timeline when Dead Island 2, this game we figured was in just absolute development hell, was going to come out the door just limping, barely functioning. And it is one of the <laughs> best looking and most well-polished games I've played on my Series X in a long time. This game yeah. looks beautiful. All the footage you're seeing here is captured on Xbox Series X and the reflection quality is immaculate, really, really high quality reflections that the draw distance is beautiful. The resolution is high. And you combine that with the fact that it's a four player co-op game. And like you said, it has the best gore engine ever. It has the best gore engine we have seen in a video game. You rip off chunks of flesh. You expose the bone. It is it is specific to where you hit them. You can crack off specific chunks of their skull. You can expose their brain. The brain has jiggle physics. The organs have jiggle physics. Their eyeballs pop out and dangle. Their jaw can become unhinged and, and dangle. You can melt their flesh off with acid. You can electrify them. You can burn them. There are all of these complex physics calculations yeah. happening with every single enemy in this game. So for the fact that it looks this good and runs this well is very impressive. There's a lot of technical problems that can arise in a game like this. So for it to look as good as it does and run as well as it does, kudos. That is that is a probably a technical miracle in some ways. <laughs> no doubt. Um everything you just said. Yeah. Um just for clarity, it's three player co-op by the way. Four. Oh, three. Okay. Uh, Apologies. <laughs> no, I just didn't want anyone, you know, thinking you could Get jump in with four. But um, it is exactly what you said. And I, I, I was Game Informer, I think, that got to sit down with the designers of the Flesh It system last year. And they did a video on talking about how they did it. And if you're interested, definitely check it out because I did for my review. And yeah, exactly as you said, like the structure of every zombie is like layered. Like they have layers of flesh and then they have the like skeletal, you know, structure of them and all of that's being calculated in real time. Um, I started testing it at different points in the game. So like I hid behind a fence and the zombies, you know, just fence and I had a little pitchfork and I crouched and I just started poking him like in the belly and it starts bleeding and then there's holes and then like his intestines started to fall out and dangle. And then I just kept going and he just slowly fell apart as I like, you know, completely shredded. I'm like that is incredible it's, like oh. as, as an old school gamer where you you know you think about as gaming has advanced and it's like i get wowed by those types of things and um it's just really really cool and i saw another developer praise them yesterday and you might have seen this on twitter for there's a cut scene where someone's holding a gun and it gets handed between four different uh ai characters right where they're stealing the gun and handing it and the developer was saying like people aren't going to recognize how much talent it takes actually it's this scene oh no it's not that scene it's in that spot though but um they were basically saying like if you would watch carefully the gun never get never jumps so usually developers trick players by it's first person uh, so you can't cheat with first person exactly you know, it's like like teleports you know like real slightly but they said like it's it's just a real technical achievement what this team has pulled off so i think for Dam Buster, right? Even though I do have some complaints with the game, which I'll touch on in a second, um, I think what they've done here is is 
incredibly impressive and i just hope they continue with it like take what you've got here oops sorry take what you've got here and evolve it if it's dead island 3 or something else like teclan went off and did dying light right evolve this because you've got something special yeah, uh, on a previous episode of Xbox Chatterdays, uh, Khalif Adams and I were talking about, you know, the evolution of what we want to see from horror games, what we want to see from the future of tech. And we were talking about the, what we coined as the uh, the anatomy engine, which was basically a, yeah. a anatomically correct body that can be completely disassembled in a game. And this is the closest that we've ever gotten to that. It's, it's so detailed. As you said, you can sit there and when a body hits the ground, some games turn off the physics calculations. Like once a body's on the ground, you can't really interact with it outside of moving it around. In this, you can continue to chop it apart. There, there's yeah. one particular moment where I was laughing so hard because there was a zombie that I knocked on the ground and I took my hammer and smashed its butt. And literally, the zombie's <laughs> ass cheeks came off. <laughs> and, it, and it exposed the, the, the skeleton's leg bones under the ass cheeks where I hit it with a hammer. And I was like, my God, you can literally smash a zombie's ass off in this game. What a what a time to be alive. It's incredible. It really is. I, I think like if you haven't played it, it's hard to describe just how good it is. But we're doing our best here. But it's um, it's amazing. And, I, and like you said, what's really fun about this game is just the physics combinations you can do because the world interacts in the same way, right? Like you can throw gas tanks at people and then blow them up and everything will explode. And if that happens to hit another tank, that'll explode. And there's just, there's all these combination physics that you can uh, experiment with in the in the world. Pretty much what you're seeing on the screen right here, some of it. And it's um, it's just impressive, man. I love that they took the time to do that because that's, when you think about Dead Island between the weapon combinations and just kind of destroying zombies in funny ways, that's really the heart of it. And they've nailed that in this game. Yeah. And what's what's funny to me is I talk about all the things I want to see from gore in video games. Like I'm a I'm a sicko in some ways when it comes to pushing boundaries. Uh, Evil Dead 2013, I love because of how oh, yes. just visceral and disgusting and gnarly it is. Dead Rising, I'm sitting there absolutely mutilating bodies, but I'm such a weenie when it comes to injuries in real life. <laughs> my wife, she'll watch uh, like a lot of fail videos or a lot of sports injury videos where you watch like a skateboarder fall or a snowboarder fall. And clearly they break an arm or a leg. And for me, oh, no, no, I can't. Like, I, I got to look away. I can't. I don't like seeing actual people get hurt. But when it comes to fictional settings like this, yeah, let's get as disgusting as we possibly can. I'm exactly the same exactly the same like if we're watching a show that's realistic and it shows you know like a surgery show my life my wife likes oh yeah like, no I oh can't no watch exactly it. my wife's the same way she loves it she's like oh look at this girl like she follows a lot of like uh i guess influencers that are also doctors and they'll share pictures of someone with like a disgusting rotting lesion on their arm or their eyeballs coming out like no don't do not show me that no yeah the same way same exact way. So, so I guess so, before we, we dive into like our complaints, the one thing mm -hmm. that I I want to compliment and I'm curious to see where you land is I've seen some reviews complain that this doesn't feel like an open world game and it's not mm -hmm. what I would consider an open world game. It feels very much like the original Dead Island games where it's segmented. You have big open zones, but there are loading screens that connect them to each other. Um, mm -hmm. In some ways that makes it feel a little more linear, but yes. honestly that to me has been so refreshing. It has been so okay. refreshing to have really beautifully designed locations, really incredible set pieces. Every single zone in this feels distinct. There's a lot of attention to detail. There's a lot of specifically placed objects. 
And for me, that's that's been such a refreshing change where every single game wants to be the 50 hour plus open world experience that you, you can go anywhere at any time. But in some cases, some of those locations aren't that interesting. It's just there to kind of fill this this big overarching map. So this is yep. more restricted in some ways, and it's not as much of an open world sandbox. But in my experience so far with the game, it's it's kind of been refreshing even though it feels yeah. like a 360 game quote in some ways. Yeah. So I, funny enough, I, I can, see, it's weird because I, I partially disagree, but I also can see what you're saying. Uh, and it all makes sense to me. Yeah. Cause so, I like a lot of reviews complained about that. So I'm curious to see where you so did on I. it. Yeah. So did I. And it, it's not so much for me that it's not open world. Um, it's more that when you look at something like what Teclan did and started to evolve in, in dying light, right. There, for me, the problem is, and you're right, each level is distinct. They go across Los Angeles or LA, as they call it in this game. You go through movie studios, which I think they're showing right now on the screen. And, um, you know, there's some really cool settings here. You go to Venice Beach and you go to Ocean Yeah, Pride Venice and, Beach know. looks so good. Yeah. So I lived in LA is... for a long time. So, like, for me, they did such an amazing job bringing those places to life and capturing that feeling. They did. Yeah. And I, what I really like about it is, and they talked about this, is that they, they focused on making the zombies kind of people that would be in LA in those areas. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you see the joggers and you see the big muscle bound dudes and you know, there's, there's healthcare workers and other stuff going on. But I think the big detractor for me is not that it's not open world per se, but it's just that the, the levels themselves, they're beautiful. As you said, they're distinct. They represent LA. Well, they do all those things well, but they're not interesting to explore. Um, you're not really rewarded for exploring. Not at all. Not at all. There's, there's definitely clear pathing that's created for the player. And, you know, most of the buildings, um, you can't really go in or, or find anything, you know, really they're kind of hidden or, uh, discoverable, I guess is the word thing is like, you get fuses that you can buy and you can unlock rooms that give you like crafting stuff and one special weapon. And that's throughout the entire game, top to bottom. Yes. Um, and then there's a few rooms you can find here and there. But generally speaking, you are in these locations and you are pathed a certain way. There's very little in the way of um, true player agency, I think is what I said in my review. Yeah, uh, you are kind of guided absolutely. along the way. Yeah, so that that's my biggest complaint. I, I kind of agree in the sense of if they just made this a big open world, one, the phys everything we've talked about that's positive, the physics calculations, the optimization, all of that, the graphical and frame rate combination, all of that might have suffered for all we know, right? Um, because that's a much tougher thing to develop. But um, the other thing is that um, what I've said is if you take this gameplay and the flesh engine and the hilarious antics and the physics and everything, but give me a world like Dying Light 2, I would have been in heaven. Yeah. Because my problem is Dying Light 2 which I was super hyped for as well. I love the world in that game and the parkour and jumping and going way high and low and going in the buildings, like all of that's awesome. The game bored me to tears. Like I think it took itself way too seriously. And whereas Dead Island 2 does what I want where it's a goofy B-movie zombie game, right? With an awesome, just fun to smash and blow things up. But the levels bored me. And I'm like, I need put those two things together and you'd have like the perfect zombie game for me. So that was the one thing that detracted from me, honestly. I still gave it a seven and a half, which is a 
really good score. You know, yeah. we use the full scale, obviously. Um, and they do have, uh, there is a season pass with this game. So I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to add to it. If it's just going to be like extra levels or I, I have no idea really, because the game ends pretty distinctly. Um, you know, it, it has a, a core story and ending. So we'll see. Yeah, from what I've gathered for the like season pass, they're adding two chapters, which I don't know exactly how much content content that will be, but it will be what I assume would be two new two two new locations. But they've only just said two new chapters, so it could not okay. even be new locations. It could just be some new missions. But I do agree with you that it is very linear in in the way that these zones progress. You can explore some houses. There is a little bit of freedom with some of the bigger zones. But for the yeah. most part, it's obvious what path you're supposed to be going on. And it kind of forces you to go down that path. Another big complaint I had is that there's not a huge variety of mission structure. It's, no. hey, this thing is missing no. a circuit breaker. Okay, yeah. cool. Let me put this in. Oh, this thing's also missing a circuit breaker. Okay, cool. And you do that. <laughs> And then, and then you get to a point where it's kind of a horde mode. You need to activate yep. an elevator. You need to activate some sort of alarm system and you fight off zombies. So the mission structure for the most part is very repetitive. And so for some people, that's going to be a problem. I think as you touched on the gameplay shines to the point where for me, that wasn't a huge deal because every moment that I'm killing zombies, I'm having fun. And sure. so if if the killing zombies wasn't that fun and the mission structure also was very repetitive, I probably wouldn't enjoy the game. But the fact yeah. that just the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is so fun and the dropkick, I'm sorry, the dropkick never gets Best old. Best move in the game. Best I've, I've the game. done a thousand dropkicks at least and every <laughs> single time I smile. Every single time I do a dropkick, I smile. And I sit there and just spam kick them in the face while they're on the ground. And anytime I'm feeling bored about the mission structure, I just do a drop kick and boom, I'm back in, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it is. That and the ground pound I just love. I use them to death. And you'll see like late in the game, like very late, like the last few missions, right? They really go all out horde mode on you. So you've got to kind of be prepared with all those moves. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. The mission structure, those are the two things I called out, just the, the pathing and the, the mission structure, like, because it is, it's kind of like fix this. Okay. Horde mode, uh, fix this horde mode. And it does that through the whole game. Yep. Um, and it's kind of a shame and you, you know, you have to figure, you know, I was kind of thinking about it more realistically and you just kind of figure, like we said, with the world aspect, that's a whole different conversation that probably tied into optimization with the quest structure you start to talk about development time, resources, and everything else, and they probably just started to narrow that scope down. But again, I think generally speaking to your point, it is just very fun to play, and I think that's evidenced by, I finished my review on PC, the reviews went live on Tuesday. Yep. Uh, I think I stopped playing Monday, right, and got my last captures and stuff. And then um, I was excited by like Thursday, I was itching to play it again. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a good sign. Yeah, so, and I had finished it, you know what I mean? Um, so I installed it on Xbox and I was literally playing it this morning before we started talking. So, I mean, that's a good sign that it's just fun to play. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it, you know, the game doesn't have to be a nine uh, or to be enjoyable. It's a lot of fun to play, even despite its shortcomings. And I definitely recommend it to people. Yeah, it's one of those things where I did some work for IGN for Dead Island 2. And there are times when I when I do that work and it's it can be a grind in terms of what you need to produce, especially on the video side. You play sections a specific way to capture for specific reasons. So in my case, I had to play through the first several hours of the game with every single character, all six characters. 
And there's sometimes <laughs> when by the time a game comes out officially, I'm done. I do not want to look at this game ever again. I'm so done with it. And Dead Island 2, I was ready to jump in with the squad. I had some buddies who wanted to play it, and I was like, let's go. I'm ready. I got some characters early on, every single character. Let's do it. So I'm playing through with a buddy right now and having just as much fun as awesome. I did. Um, and so that's again for me a huge testament to how how good Dead Island 2 feels. So it, it's not a thinking man's game. It's not gonna make you um uh, grow, I think, in, in a lot of ways. But if you just want some dumb fun, it, it delivers. It delivered for yeah. me, and I think it will deliver for people who just want a good, good old-fashioned co-op game. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, a lot of fun. And and please, damn buster, use this flesh system in something else. Or, yes. or give it to other developers. Do something. Because it's amazing. Just oh mm, mm. I want see that's this is the kind of flesh engine I want to see in a Resident Evil game. I want to see exactly. like a true survival horror game have this level of just gruesome, gruesome <laughs> physics. So yeah, yep. damn busters, good work. Keep it up, but do not let this fade into obscurity. Take what you got and, and run with it because it is something special. It's something we've never seen in a video game before. So no doubt. Yeah, I hope it sells well. I hope it sells well, man. I do. Um, I'm rooting for him. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to everyone joining us live. If you are digging the show, hit that like button, share it out. I see amazing regulars in the chat. We got Assassin, we got Sappho, we got the White Wolf, we got Yodani Shine Films. Appreciate all of you tuning in, hanging out. Um, all right, Ains, we got to now we're getting to the part of the show where we got to talk about some more serious stuff, some less fun stuff. Um, I guess before we get into this segment today, I just I want to touch yeah. on the overall doom and gloom sentiment that's been shared online. And I think mm -hmm. if all the regulars who listen to the show, all the all the people who follow me on social media know that's that's not my wheelhouse. That's not where I live. Um, we've seen people go back and forth and accuse people of, you know, just dooming Xbox for the sake of clout or or clicks or 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 whatever. Um, I think all the regulars know that that's not who either of us are. If, if they've right. watched the BitCast, if they've listened to the show, that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. I've you know cultivated a show over the course of years where that's not what I chase. It's easy. Like I know in some ways it's easy to be inflammatory, to, to get people riled up, and that equals you know engagement. That, you know Whether it's good viewers or bad viewers, some people look at it and, you know, hey, a viewer is a viewer. Um, <laughs> So that's not what this is about. So we are going to talk about some criticisms of Xbox. We're going to talk about some some negative news for Xbox. But I hope everyone knows that we're not doing it just to uh, get clicks or whatever the the narrative we see online is. It's it's about the industry and what what these developments mean for Xbox. You know, isolated to the fans and then in the grand context of the entire industry. So just wanted to get that out of the way because I know I've seen people just. <laughs> Everyone's bummed. There's a lot of negative news and that gets people kind of spiraling in some ways, but we're still going to have some fun. We're going to have some good conversations and we're going to have a good time. So strap in and let's dive into it. Starting with Ghostwire Tokyo looks and plays worse on Xbox Series X. Mm. So there's been um, some developments this week. Um, Digital Foundry has come out and done, done a comparison video of the recently released port for Ghostwire Tokyo on Xbox. And they have pointed out that the Xbox Series X version looks worse, it has lower quality reflections, and runs worse, and has some of the same issues that the launch version of Ghostwire Tokyo did on PS5. So a lot of people are looking, looking at that and saying, yo, this, this port took a year to get to Xbox, and Xbox now has Tango as a first-party studio. 
why does this game look worse? Why would they release a game that looks worse and runs worse and didn't fix any of the issues for the Xbox version of this game? So I wanna have a couple conversations about this topic. First okay. and foremost, Ains, where are you at with this fixation on these technical analyses? <laughs> we have Digital Foundry, and they do excellent work. I'm not here to do. downplay what they do. They spend a lot of time. I've I've done projects like that. It's a lot of tedious, very tedious work. So they do a lot of great work. So I'm not trying to downplay what they do. But I want to get a feel for you. And if you're in the chat listening or in and want to drop a comment, how do you feel about this this fixation of these one to one comparisons for pretty much every single game that drops? Yeah, yeah. It's um. I don't know. We were kind of joking about this prior to the show. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm a little tired of it, if I'm honest. And, and like you said, Digital Foundry does extensive, detailed work, which is not easy to do. So credit, credit to them in that regard. Um, that said, I, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of over the whole frame rate resolution comparison because it, it went from being informative to ridiculous, in my opinion, in the sense of you know, we're to, there's some points where it's like you'll hear a general statement that gets taken away from the videos like, uh, and I'm not talking about Ghostwire specifically, but other games where it'll say, this game runs worse on X platform. And it's yes. like, well, wh what does runs worse mean? And then it comes down that it's like, well, it dips three frames more. Resident Evil 4 runs Steam. worse on PlayStation 5 than Xbox Series X. That was the last one we, we dealt with. <laughs> so Yeah, and it's just, it's it's exhausting in the sense of, Nine, I, I would say a vast, vast majority of the time, if you are not on Twitter and pay no attention to this and you played the game on Series X and PS5 or whatever game kind of comparison you're making, you won't be able to tell the difference. Uh, you start to go down, you know, they start to narrow down to things like, okay, the reflections here are not as high quality. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what happened to just playing the game and enjoying the hell out of it and taking it in the grander scope of things? Like, if I'm playing Resident Evil 4 and I'm smiling into ear to ear because of how good that game is, and I'm narrowing narrowing in on a tree in the background whose leaves aren't as detailed as where I could be playing it, you've lost the plot. Like, you're, 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 you're really beyond the point of just enjoying mm. games for what they are if there is something drastic right like if game came out and on xbox it's 4k and on on ps5 it's 720p or 1080p or it's having crashes or there's something drastic okay that's worth noting out and knowing as a consumer but the we've gotten so narrow with the what we're talking about with tiner like texture texture resolution quality differences frame rate dips in the single digits, things like that, they're just meaningless to me. And I think all it does is create a negative discourse among a group of people. Like, you know, you, you talked about the beginning, that's not us, but there's people that live for those things and it just gets exhausting hearing about it uh, in any form. So uh, I'm in the place of, they don't do much for me. I stopped watching them a while ago, um, personally. And I just play a game where I wanna play. I own everything. You know, I play on everything and wherever I feel like playing it at that moment in time, if it's co-op or multiplayer, of course, where my friends are. Um, but otherwise, I don't care. Just yeah, it's one of those out of it. And we talked about this before the show, but much like Metacritic, it's it's interesting. Those those comparisons are are interesting on a surface level. And it is 
you know, anecdotally, you get some good information about how a game performs on one platform versus another. Digital Foundry does a good job of adding context for, you know, what the what the causes might be, what's happening that could potentially cause a situation like this. And so there is some educational purposes there. And we live in yeah. this world where everyone wants the best, period. Everyone wants that's why SEO is just so dominating, because everyone wants the best thing ever. You type in the best food near me, the best movie, the best <laughs> act. Everyone wants the best, the best time and time again. So anything less than the best for some people is a problem. And there it's, you know, that complicates these situations and that adds fuel to these situations because you have a situation where Ghostwire Tokyo, which came out on PS5 and there were some performance and technical problems on PS5. The game also mm -hmm. didn't necessarily release to critical acclaim. If we're being honest, it didn't blow anyone's socks off. It wasn't this this masterpiece. And so when I look at this situation here, and when I look at some of the potential causes, I imagine they just, we know Tango Gameworks is working on two other projects. So I imagine this was just a tiny, a very tiny group of people who just got the game working on Xbox and moved on. And again, they said it looks good enough. It runs well enough. I was before I looked at the the digital foundry comparison, I was playing the game and I was like, this looks good. I can feel some of the frame dips, but I know that was a problem on PS5. Um, yep. And then when you see the actual comparisons of the quality of the frame rate dips one to one, then you can say, hey, yo, Xbox, what what is the deal here um, in this particular case? Because ideally you were trying to market your console as the more powerful console. You're trying yep. to say that this console is more capable and then you have an, an, a piece of evidence that people can use against you that you have created. You were the only reason that this game runs worse. Yeah. You have no one else to blame. And I know Bethesda is a separate entity. Um, and so a, a lot of Xbox console fans right now, I think, are increasingly frustrated because they look at that example in addition to the Redfall example. And they say, yeah. yo, are you... Are you doing enough to ensure that the console experience is, is great or as good as it can be? And we can look at Ghostwire Tokyo and we can say, no, you're, you're clearly not because it's not even reaching the PS5 level and yeah. you didn't fix anything from the PS5 version. So is this what we can expect from first party Xbox releases? And then it again, it spirals and becomes this negative <laughs> loop that's not necessarily always fair, but there are interesting things to point here to. So what do you think is the reason that Ghostwire Tokyo isn't, you know, hitting at least at least on the same level on the Series X? Yeah, it's it's a broad conversation, right? And I, I talked pretty extensively as a group on Bigcast last week about this, but I I've had some concerns. Um, and as you preface this conversation, you know, some people get weird when you start to criticize Xbox uh, in the community. I mean, I play I think Xbox. I play every Xbox day. every single day. So <laughs> I like I can't stress enough how much I like, love Xbox as a platform and the people that work there. And I know lots of them, right? They're genuinely fantastic people. Yeah. So take, you know, know that as it's we get sad into that we have to preface that with that like every time. But it's again. Yeah. Um, but I I do have concerns, right? If you if you step back and look at the broader picture, what I said last week to a degree is that it feels, and we don't know because none of us know what goes on behind the scenes definitively, right? Yes. But to, but to your point, if you're an Xbox Series X owner, which I, most of us I'm sure are here who are listening or watching this, um, and all the marketing leading up to Series X, and it's an incredible piece of engineering, the Series X, right? But it's clear for whatever reason to me that 
there feels like there's some um, overview management issues with releases from first party. And I'll point back to Halo Infinite. Uh, I stand for Halo Infinite every chance I get. <laughs> I have defended <laughs> Halo Infinite probably more than nearly anyone on the planet. Um, and I still play it damn near every day. I adore it. But just think of the broader picture of what that was, right? Xbox Series X launches in 2020 with Halo Infinite on the box, right? It gets delayed all the way to 2021. Mm -hmm. Fantastic core multiplayer, in my opinion, fantastic campaign, but still lacking in several areas. They had to delay some features. We've had that conversation, right? We don't have to yeah. rehash. But my point in bringing that up is that how, from a leadership perspective, do you get to E3 2020 or, or kind of summer, I'll say summer because E3 was dead, <laughs> summer 2020, um, leading up to Xbox Series X launch with Halo as your icon, right? And Phil Spencer in 2019 talking about it on stage at E3. Um, how do you get there and not realistically understand the problems with that game and know that it's not going to be ready, right? That, that just can't happen yeah i don't it can't and i think i bring that up to say it's a, there's a larger symptom at play here and your point is extremely valid ghostwire tokyo it's not going to blow people away i would assume the majority of people in xbox are playing it on game pass rather than going out to a store and buying it um so it, it makes sense not to throw all your resources at a ghostwire tokyo port but it's a first party game you, and it's releasing on game pass which is your product that you're focused on for having people sub, right? You have to ensure that this release is in top state. And the same conversation to me is Redfall. How a game that they've been hyping since last year, it's been, let's not forget, Redfall was delayed a full year. Yeah, so this it's game was summer announced. last year. Correct. It's delayed a full year. And yet Series X here, we are launching with only 30 FPS. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a fantastic game. That's not what I'm saying. But it should be assumed that if you're a Series X consumer, you're going to get a 60 F of performance. But performance mode is standard now. Come on. Yeah. Um, and I just, when you, again, you look at these examples that you brought up in Halo and other examples that have happened, and I just, I don't know what it is. I, you, Xbox First Party is 23 studios of what over 10,000 employees at this point i forget the total number but i mean it's several thousand employees and you've got tons of development talent some of the best developers in the world um i just don't know where the prioritization is internally to ensure that these things are releasing as they should be releasing from a standardized perspective um so i'll stop because i've been talking for a few minutes but i definitely feel there needs to be a conversation and there's a valid conversation to be had around the management and rele around release of these first party titles. There has to be some changes made to ensure higher standard. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I look at the realities of the situation and there's all of these boring logistics that are factored in when they decide how much resources go into a port. And again, a lot of people, I think, undermine what actually goes into a port, how long a port takes. A AAA port uh, takes minimum, we're looking at six months for, for a AAA game. I've done the research. I've talked to developers. It's we're talking a minimum of six months of a lot of work. And that's if you have a good 
capable team ready to do it. And in this case, maybe they had a smaller team, they had a smaller budget to get it done. And they just said, you know, we we know how it's going to hit in Game Pass. We know how it's going to sell roughly. Here's what we're estimating. So we're only going to put an X effort from a business perspective. Okay, whatever. I, I understand that decision. But from an optics perspective, when it comes from Xbox, who is, if we're being honest, in third place, they're trying to you know, increase their market share. They're trying to get on the level of PlayStation and Nintendo in a lot of ways in terms of game quality. For them to basically allow a fir- what is a first-party game to ship at with lower performance on their console, it's just, like you said, what was the decision there? What Like, what was the optics? Sure, some people don't care. Sure, some people are going to play it on Game Pass and move on. But there's a lot of people who are very engaged in the conversations online and very aware. And as I said, we're all a lot a lot more people in this day and age are taking the time to look up reviews, look up information. Like I talked about with everyone fixating on the best. People want the best. And if you can't give them the best, they're going to go somewhere else. So if you're Xbox, who's already lagging behind in some ways on the console side, and you're not even going to give... A, as good experience how are you expecting anyone to to buy your hardware if i'm just being frank and that's why i'm i'm confused with decisions like ghostwire tokyo it's not the end of the world it's not you know a, a d- xbox is doomed xbox is dead situation no. it's just an <laughs> xbox yo what are you doing honey honey why, why is this the case like i love you but yeah. Someone along the line has made the wrong call here or the quality assurance wasn't there. And I, I understand Bethesda is a separate entity. And maybe Bethesda was the one who made the call and said, hey, we're only giving you X time and budget. We don't know. Like you said, we don't know the exact reality. We don't know what in, what went into this. So I'm always careful with how I word these things. So I don't want to say it's Xbox's fault. It's Bethesda's fault because I just don't know. I don't have the information to say. Right. But it shouldn't be on the the players and the fans on the console side to endure it and say, well, I don't know. I don't know whose fault it is. I guess I'll just suck it up and deal with it moving forward. Because again, isolated, all of these things don't matter that much. But compounded, it's starting to paint a picture that Xbox doesn't care about the console that much or doesn't really look at the console in the same way it's looking at cloud gaming or PC gaming, which again, we can talk about the logistics and they can say, well, Xbox has data that shows that they should be focusing on cloud because they're seeing a boost in engagement and a boost in users on the cloud side. And, you know, there's a huge potential on the PC side. We have X percentage of the PC market, but if we invest in the PC, we can grow our business exponentially. There's a lot of business justifications that are probably happening behind the scenes that most of us don't care about because we are not making money off of those decisions. (laughs) We are sitting by with you know buying a $500 console paying $70 for a game and getting an experience that's not as good as somewhere else and again for some people that's just that's unacceptable and I'm not gonna fault anyone for being annoyed or frustrated at this point because it's like hey Xbox literally there's no one else to blame but you here I don't know what what to do that's it we're consumers at the end of the day and we may be consumers that are invested or we are consumers invested in the platform we may be consumers that kind of cheer on a platform because we have a fondness for it like xbox right um and i think we just want to see right um xbox do well and it's not that they're not doing well right the revenue shows they're doing extremely well so the the xbox is dead conversation is absurd yeah Um, that's that's not the reality (laughs) xbox is doing well xbox is doing better than it has been doing um but again like you said with xbox fans i think they just want and expect a certain level of quality yeah and there's a there's a, a disconnect right because 
think of the messaging look at your messaging versus delivery right that's true of any product look at messaging versus delivery the messaging we got over the past let's say 24 months okay has been uh series x is the most powerful console ever built which just technically speaking it is right uh we got uh satya nadella talking about being all in on gaming all in on We've gaming got- baby yeah and you've got uh, billions if not hundreds of billions being invested if you include abk of course into the ecosystem in terms of microsoft gaming as a whole right so you've got phil spencer has talked about it many times uh, sarah bond all the kind of head leadership right of xbox has talked about these things even uh pete hines and todd howard right talking about the relationship with xbox what it's allowing them to do and the mm-hmm. development power all these things right that's your messaging so Where's the delivery? Uh, because the delivery is not matching your messaging. And I think that's a disconnect. And that's why I said there's an there's an oversight issue. And you're right. We don't know if this is a Bethesda decision. There's still their own publishing arm, right? Like we we don't know. I don't know the logistics of who manages who. We know that Xbox in in reality from a financial perspective is the overseer right microsoft owns xbox xbox owns bethesda they're all under that umbrella we don't know what that management structure looks like in backroom conversations or how decisions are made but somewhere along the line there's an oversight issue and i think that you know this is going to oversimplify it but let's say 12 months ago or six months ago whoever's reviewing internally red falls delivery on series x and series s for a console should have said, you know, there should be a standardized China checklist. And if you can't meet that checklist, that's a problem. What do you have to do to fix that? Is it because, as you said, development is extremely hard. We both talked to developers. Yep. I would yep. say 99.9% of the discourse on Twitter doesn't understand development, right? Um, so it's it's extremely difficult from what I understand. And um I just, it's not as simple sometimes. It's just throwing extra developers at it, right? It's not as simple as just development power. There's a lot of other factors at play. So I don't want to sit here and, and kind of say that's as simple as it is. But no matter what the issue is, at the end of the day, as consumers, we're focused on delivery. And it's clear in some cases there's a delivery, maybe shortcoming might be the right word, um, compared to either other platforms or the industry. And Xbox has to fix that, in my yeah, opinion. it's should fix it. It's one of those things where the reality is that de- development is incredibly hard. A lot of the the average audience doesn't understand and will frankly never understand. There's a lot of right. business decisions and and conversations behind the scenes that we don't know about, but we'll also never know about them. So you can't expect the average person to just know that there's some information that they can't have and be okay with it. That's just that's a big ask of a lot of people, especially when you're a gaming platform with with you know, you're trying to get millions and you have millions of fans and you're trying to get millions more. That's just yeah. the average person, unfortunately, doesn't care about what th- those conversations are because those conversations don't necessarily impact the final product as you as you touched on, you know, stupid food analogy. If you you marketing and expectations versus delivery, if you go online and you you splurge in this case, we'll use Xbox Series X. We'll compare it to a pizza. Let's say you you have the Series S in your <laughs> cart and you're like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to get the pizza with uh, I'm going to get extra cheese and extra sausage. And you, you pay the extra money mm-hmm. shows up at your door with four sausages on you're like, dog. What's up? <laughs> the, the first time that the first time that happens, you'll say, OK, maybe it's just a misstep, whatever. But if you order three pizzas in a row and it happens three times in a row, I guarantee you you're not going to order a fourth pizza from that place and that's the that's the position that xbox is putting themselves in is that 
you know, shame, you know, fool me once, shame on me, or shame on, yeah, shame on me, right? You fool shame, me shame twice. on you. Yeah, yeah. Oh okay, yeah, exactly. Fool me yeah, twice, exactly. shame on me. Exactly that that one <laughs> that one. That's the situation that Xbox is going to be in with the a lot of the, especially on the console side because they're just expecting a lot and xbox is in a position right now where they're trying to be everywhere they just want to be on your phone they want to be on the pc they want to be console and maybe there's an argument to be made that they're not handling all that well that they're unable to do all of that at the same time and because of that certain releases certain platforms in this case are not getting the support they need because resources are tied otherwhere tied tied up otherwise we have the abk deal we had the expansion into cloud tech so we know that xbox series chips are being allocated to the cloud versus being put in stores which again feeds the narrative that xbox doesn't really care about its console business blah 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 but again it's just when you tell someone something and you sell someone something you need to make sure that that is the reality that they live in because nobody wants nobody should ever feel bad about a purchase and if someone yeah. feels bad about a purchase, you have lost their trust. And chances are they're not going to want to keep spending money with you. And that's just kind of the reality. Again, Xbox is making money. People are still happy with the Xbox brand. But when we look at the very informed customer, when we look at the very engaged fan online, there's a reason there's been so much doom and gloom because people are like, yo, man, like I've waited years for a moment and a release, a high profile release. And this is what I'm getting after like my not only my my financial investment, but my time investment. And again, you know, time is valuable. Time is very valuable to people. And I think that's something that gets understated. Yeah, no, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. And like we said, right, Redfall was delayed a year. It's not like they're they should be coming in hot, per se, you know, with this release. Right. They've had a lot of time to optimize this. And I don't know. It just it feels off to me in some way and i don't know exactly what it is i don't know what the solution is not claiming to but uh i i don't need to know that's not my job exactly yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying your products i the amount of money i've spent on xbox products over the Ooh. past 20 years could i could probably buy a house um yeah when i do my uh, taxes i get to see how much money i spend on video games every year and i look at it and say yikes <laughs> wow that's a that's a lot of zeros here <laughs> yeah and i you know i've been a big proponent of their leadership right and i think phil spencer's uh amazing in a lot of ways and i've i've uh you know offered a lot of positive um discussions around that and everything and it's you know i don't know where it falls i mean obviously phil is out in front of people and he's the head of xbox so he's gonna be the one that people point to and at the end of the day you know uh it obviously comes from the top but um there's something going on here and you're talking about a massive organization with all kinds of layers of leadership the bethesda is its own publishing arm but they fall under xbox that's got to be weird internally i'm sure there's power struggles to some degree um and not to take us into another uh not to shift gears or anything but i think that's some of what uh you know i look at with the abk abk acquisition right when that's done you've got an even you've got a similar dynamic with bethesda but on an even larger scale and I'm literally in my career work right now in the process on a migration team for two companies merging. So I've done, I've gone through it like four or five times in my career job. Um, it, it cannot be pretty at times, right? It can be ugly and things get overlooked. There's complications and I, I don't know. I just, I'm rambling a bit, but I feel like there's, there's something more at play here that's causing this. And I'm going to be very curious to see uh, how Starfield launches. Yeah, that's um, going to, again, like... 
we've talked about Redfall ad nauseum, so I don't really want to go back through the Redfall saga. But yeah, unfortunately for Xbox, that has shaken the confidence for the rest of their year. On paper, they had a really solid year poised. People were stoked yep. about Redfall. People were stoked about Starfield. We have Forza Motorsport. There's potential for them to launch something else big in the holiday window as well. There's Starfield in September gives them a window to just finish off 2023 incredibly strong if they can yep. hit one more big game. So on paper, there was just so much to be excited about. Hi-Fi Rush. Remember when Hi-Fi Rush Shadow dropped and it was one of yeah, the most man. positive moments I've ever seen for Xbox online? No <laughs> one was talking about console war nonsense. Everyone was just like, yo, Hi-Fi Rush is a, is a just straight up game of the year contender. Unquestionably, this game is, is fun. It's bright. And that moment, Xbox needs those moments desperately right now and hi-fi yeah. rush was just a great way to start the year especially coming off the back of 2022 which again i don't want to rehash that but people have been <laughs> people were less than happy with xbox's output in 2022 in a lot of ways so hi-fi rush yep. was like yeah hell yeah 2023 it's looking good and then that that moment that brief moment of momentum just tanks when you say redfall we're going to tell you very sneakily and very quietly and only to people who are engaged on social media that by the way it's only 30 fps on console at launch we'll give you that 60 fps mode later don't worry like that kind of message to me is scummy's harsh but it's not it's intentional it's intentionally you're not giving the full information to your audience because there was a point at, at one point in time there was 60 fps badge on the xbox store so if you were just the average person looking at the xbox yeah. store you saw redfall you saw it was 60 fps and then maybe you pre-order it you're like cool i'm excited about this and then you don't even know because you're not on twitter a lot of the reality is a lot of people who play video games aren't on twitter you go to boot up redfall and you're like wait a second what the hell what the hell's going on here and that's because <laughs> you didn't see the random eight word tweet that they dropped like two weeks before launch and it's it doesn't yeah. paint a lot of confidence for xbox first party um no that's, it doesn't again it i'm doesn't. not do I'm, I'm again we preface this a bunch of times i'll preface it again <laughs> i'm still excited about the future of xbox i'm still excited about the future of xbox game studios but xbox isn't doing itself any favors when they're right next when they're right about to enter the the end zone and they just drop the ball they didn't get tackled they just they just straight up dropped the football and you're like yeah, that's like bro he's like sprinting, sprinting down and then all of a sudden eh. like something he trips over his own legs you know and the ball like, goes flying what what how this was supposed to be a, just an easy touchdown moment everyone cheers Ooh, red fall red fall red fall and now there's just this weird conversation surrounding red fall and it sucks it sucks for that team it sucks for the game it sucks for fans uh and again yeah. i think Redfall will still be a great game i still have faith yeah. in arcane to deliver a great experience but yeah it's it's been weird it's been <laughs> 2023 has been off for xbox in a way that feels strange it started with, you know, all the layoffs. We've all been fixating on the APK stuff. There's yeah. just been a lot of negative energy for the, the engaged fans. Again, not the average person. And again, I posted some stuff on Twitter that we're going to talk about where there are a lot of people who are just playing Xbox, playing stuff on Game Pass and having a good time. And that's for Xbox. That's a win. And all, from those metrics, those are wins for Xbox. And Xbox yeah. still has wins to point to. And there are still a lot of things worth celebrating. Um, of course. But yeah, that's just... It's been weird. It's been the, the vibes have been off this year, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping more than anything, like 
I hope I can come back on here a year from now and Redfall launches. It's a fantastic game, which we all hope, right? Let's say they get the 60 FPS performance mode out a week or two post-launch. That's a very different conversation than six months post-launch. You know what I mean? Like when when the performance mode improvements launch, it's going to be important. Uh, and it needs to be very soon after launch. Um, but I th I'm hoping I can come back next year and Redfall will be a fantastic game. Starfield will have launched beautifully. Forza will have launched beautifully. We get another major release, like you said, late year. And, you know, we look back and say, man, early 2023 was kind of a bummer, but man, they crushed it the rest of the year. That's what I'm hoping. Exactly. You know, ex yeah. Like, you know, we, <laughs> they fumbled, they tripped a few times, but in the end they got back up and they got the touchdown is what, you know, yeah. football brother. Um, that's what a lot of Xbox fans are hoping for 2023. And there's still a lot to point to where 2023 could still be one of the best years ever for Xbox. On paper, yeah. it was that unquestionably. When we looked, when we went from 2022 into this year, I was looking at it and saying, damn, 2023 is looking really, really good. Um, yeah. So there is still hope that it is. And this is just a brief moment of uh, <laughs> disappointment for fans. Uh, Nick W with the Super Chat says, I understand development. I made a small game on Unity before. It was hard work and I went to school for IT. Yeah, so it's people <laughs> kind of understate what goes into making a game sometimes. Um, development in general is nightmarish at times. Um, yeah, so... Um, we also, you know, we were talking about kind of future. So two months from now, less than two months from now, we've got the showcase, right? So we get an hour and a half showcase. We get the Starfield showcase for 30 minutes, two hours of Xbox goodness. Um, I think their major showcases have been on point the past few years. Yeah. I've really enjoyed them. Uh -huh. um, I agree. Let me let me throw a question back at you. And uh -oh. I'm sure you've talked about this, of course. But your thoughts on the whole, these are releasing in the next 12 months oh, uh, oh, oh, statement. Oh, oh. Um, okay. <laughs> I've been on record saying I liked that approach. When we went, when okay. Xbox went into that show, it was 2022. Things look bad for Xbox games. Um, they came off 2021, which was strong which was very yeah. strong. It ended with Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite. Um, they got the Publisher of the Year Award. Like, things were good. Things were good. And then you looked at the slate for 2022, and Xbox fans were saying, okay, well, what about this year? You had one good year. Uh, what about this year? And so Xbox went into their June showcase with nothing. Crossfire X was their, <laughs> was their start of the year, and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and so they're coming off to Crossfire X, going to the show with nothing. And they, so that's why they had to, or they felt they had to say, all right, these are all coming in the next 12 months. As yeah. we know, a lot of those aren't and won't hit that 12 month window. And then that's led some people to speculate that maybe that's why Redfall is, com is coming the way it is, because they need one. They need one of those games to hit that 12 month window. I don't know that that's the reality. That is, you know, some conspiracy stuff that I've heard. If that is the case, I will say that's incredibly disappointing um, because it's a new IP. It's a new IP coming out two weeks before Tears of the Kingdom. My God. And right. So my problem with Redfall and 30 FPS and this whole 12 month promise, blah, 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 is that let's say it does come a couple weeks after and this is best case scenario. I don't think that's the reality. I think it's going to be months. I don't think so either. I think yeah, it's going to be months and months. But let's say it comes out right around Diablo. And you're like, why? No, and it doesn't matter <laughs> at that point. It doesn't matter at that point. Another yeah. big horror RPG is there. And you're in Tears of the Kingdom, as we've seen with other games, like Zelda's going to dominate the conversations. It's going to absolutely yeah. dominate. Whether you're a Nintendo fan or not, that's not setting up a new IP <laughs> in the best way. So uh, even just 
even if it was launching at 60 FPS, it was going to be uh, an uphill battle, I think, for Redfall to really find a major audience because of how busy things are, how busy things are going to be. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, the 12 month thing is um, people are mad. How do you feel about it? <laughs> I think the 12 month thing is a good idea in theory. Um, if they got, we've talked for a long time now around Xbox first party, growing their studios and getting to a cadence of delivery on game pass, right. Where you can have kind of at least one major first party release every quarter. Yeah. That's the goal. That's right? the goal. That's the long exactly. goal. That is the goal. Um, obviously that hasn't happened. Um, but I think if, if they can get to that cadence, right, they've, we know they've been staffing up a bunch of their studios from in exile to playground to compulsion. And, you know, long term, if they get to that cadence, I think the 12 month thing is cool because then you you know what you're looking at in theory. There's gonna, always going to be delays, but in theory, um, down the line. But the problem is they are not in that cadence. They've had delivery issues, as we've talked about for a while now. Um, and therefore, when you come out and say 12 months and you don't deliver, that just compounds the issue of the visual for hardcore audience like us of delivery, right? You can't even meet what you said you would on your showcase last year. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm mixed bag on it. It's like, I don't know if they're going to do that again this year. I don't, I don't think about so. That? I, okay. I guarantee they won't do it again because of the way that people have responded <laughs> and, and basically put every single game on that on that graphic under a microscope and said, oh, this one didn't hit, this one didn't hit, this one didn't hit, this one one out of all of these hit, or two, Minecraft Legends, I think. Minecraft, Minecraft Legends, Legends and Redfall will be the two. And at this point, I don't think Redfall is getting delayed. I know some people were saying that maybe they'd announce the weird 30 delayed. FPS thing on a, on a Wednesday so they could gauge the reaction and then delay it on a Friday. But at this point, it's it's coming, baby. It's coming yeah, it's out coming. the door. Didn't they show? Am I losing my mind? Am I going back too far? What about that game Contraband? Oh yeah, we haven't seen Contraband gameplay. No, that, like, that wasn't, wasn't part. That wasn't part of the twelve month one. It wasn't okay. That was All the right. year year prior. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I'm excited about the showcase. I'm excited about. I'm excited about everything to do. Really, like I said, but I just nailing the point home. I just think that there is something with an issue with oversight and QA to deliver these games as they should, quote, should be delivered. And I hope more than anything that Xbox gets a handle on it and that we, like I said, we're come back beginning of next year saying, wow, 2023 was an absolute banger for Xbox. What, exactly. Uh, what a, what they, a year, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. But and again, we'll like we are talking about first party. This is an Xbox centric show. So again, we that's kind of the fixation. Again, I've been playing my Xbox consistently. I've been playing Dead Island 2 on my Xbox. I've been playing Resident Evil 4. There's been no shortage of games that I've been absolutely loving and have been playing on Xbox. But when we look at the one-to-one the -one comparisons, which we've kind of already touched on, um, you know, Xbox and Xbox fans want to see more big first-party games. They want some people really, truly, and this isn't like FUD or bad faith arguments. Some people just really want a justification for their $500 console when it comes to like a big exclusive, like a big exclusive. That's what some people want from a, from the console space. That's what some people, that's why people attach exclusives to PlayStation and Nintendo and pay the money is because they want the exclusives. They want to, for, for some people that doesn't really matter as much. Like for me, I have all the platforms and if somebody isn't delivering, I'll just go somewhere else. Um, but some people want to spend the money, have the big exclusive, have the big premium experience. 
And I don't think that's wrong or a problem. And that's why for some people, Xbox is getting increased heat because they're not, they're not. Yeah. Nailed it, man. You ready for some more dooming? Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Xbox is dead, son. And you know why? Because Hi-Fi Rush was a flop. Flop, Hi-Fi Rush was a big stinky turd. I know I just said a bunch of stuff good and positive about it, but no, actually, it was a bad game. Xbox is mad at Tango. Xbox is disappointed in Tango Gameworks. So True. this this next story I want to talk about that's is... Why, that's why they're staffing it up, right? Exactly. They're investing more people in because they looked at Hi-Fi Rush and said, wow, we need to throw bodies at you because you cannot get it done. What on earth? Okay. In all seriousness, there's there's a story that's popped up this week that's kind of, in my opinion highlighted the problem with our current news cycle. Like the, what happened this week exemplifies what is just fundamentally wrong with the way that news cycles exist. So basically the story goes that on the latest episode of Game Mess Decides, Mike Minotti and Jeff Grubb were talking about PlayStation 5 sales, how the PlayStation 5 is doing exceptionally well and comparing that to Xbox, Xbox's performance, how Xbox is viewed. And Jeff was dropping some information about what he had heard internally about how management feels about the situation, how management feels about releases like Hi-Fi Rush. And so during this particular segment, Jeff was talking about Hi-Fi Rush and the release, and he, he made a quote, let me see if I can find it here, that basically said, Hi-Fi Rush didn't make the money it needed to make. This was like an isolated one-off sentence in, in a broader conversation about, you know, the fact that with Game Pass, there's this, this desire to have money coming in. And you, you balance a, an experimental game like Hi-Fi Rush with a juggernaut like Halo Infinite. And that's kind of the yin and the yang. You have your constant revenue stream from something like Halo Infinite. So you can do a hi-fi rush. And he was suggesting that, you know, when a game like Halo Infinite comes out and doesn't hit, that puts way more pressure financially on those other smaller projects that are already in development. You can't stop them. Like that train's moving. And so when you don't have that money train coming in in the same way you were expecting with the Halo Infinite, that maybe it puts a question mark on its performance. And so Jeff was saying that, you know, basically it heard that it, didn't do what it needed to do or wasn't making enough money. Uh, a lot of people took that and ran with it, ran reports saying that, yeah, as we touched on, Hi-Fi Rush is a flop. Hi-Fi Rush underperformed. Hi-Fi Rush didn't hit all these expectations. And that story exploded. So Jeff, you know, as this one-off line on a podcast becomes a news story, becomes a news beat, everyone's running with it. Everyone's talking about it on Reddit, Reset Era. And then the matter of hours, it just escalates and escalates and escalates to the point where Aaron Greenberg had to come out on Twitter and be like, yo, yo, yo. From all of our internal metrics, this was a huge success. This exceeded our expectations. I need everyone to like chill out. We, we are so happy with the performance of this game. And it gets to that point where this little one-off line in a podcast becomes this news cycle that needs to be addressed because everyone wants to take something out of context and make it a big, dramatic, inflammatory controversy. And they try to boil a two-hour podcast down into a single sentence and use that sentence as the news beat. And I'm curious how you felt about watching this kind of saga play out with Hi-Fi Rush. <laughs> I despise it, man. I despise it, honestly. I, there's not a strong enough word for how little I enjoy that level of discourse. Uh, just, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I don't know. Just, I mean, 
we've talked before and you've had me on. So part of why I do what I do and, and what we do over at SG is, is to not do this, right? And we ran nothing about High Five Rush or, or Grub's comment or any of the response because to me, it's not news. And what I mean by that is Grub is Grub. He's well-known, right, across the industry and, and obviously has information about things. But he doesn't work at Microsoft. He doesn't work at Xbox. He has no kind of core relation to what's going on with that game. Um, and therefore, you have to take that with a grain of salt. And as you said, it's more, and he came back and said, it's even a passing comment, right? It's not meant to be analyzed um, in that same way that I think other people did. And the sad fact is, Hi-Fi, as we know, Hi-Fi Rush is an exclusive. Uh, it's a highly rated game on Xbox. Did very well from, as Aaron Greenberg himself came out from all metrics. But a story saying Hi-Fi Rush didn't make money or didn't wasn't a success. That's a click-worthy article. And so yeah, and then that the, turns into people say, tur making editorials about this news beat saying, oh, is Game Pass not sustainable, actually? Yeah, exactly. And it, so like, you, this fake news story spawns into editorials about a like fake situation. I mean, it wasn't it ha actually happened, but this news yes. beat becomes its own entity. And it's wild. Yeah, take, yeah sorry. I, I talk, we're talking over each other. I didn't mean to do that. But it's like it's a dis it's a distillation. Um, it's almost like the old game, you know, like talking down the wire, right? Like mm -hmm. where you take this one passing comment turns into articles and people take that article which is a you know they take a headline essentially not even an article because there's no article to write you don't have any information right there's no actual information here at all instead you're taking a headline of a comment and then making your own assumptions and i think that's just that happens far too often across kind of the the news beat around the gaming industry and other industries of course um and it's just disappointing i i really wish that people would just pause and think genuinely about what they read or hear and think realistically, piece it together, right? Like if Grubb says something like, from what I hear, it didn't make the money it needed to make, stop for a second and analyze what that could mean um, rather than running to a headline and saying, yeah, Game Pass is failing and Xbox is in financial trouble. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, what, you know, the game wasn't even sold. It, it, you know what I mean? There's no physical copies. It wasn't an announced release. There's a lot of factors that go into that. And I think for Aaron Greenberg to come out, now you can take Aaron and his word, or you can say that he has to say those things, whatever you want to do. But for a game like Hi-Fi Rush, that is not what you would call a typical big budget release with no. lead up marketing and physical copies and collector's editions, right? They're looking at engagement figures. You know, how many people downloaded this, played it, enjoyed it. And according to him, it did well. Um, we should take that. That's it. That's the end of the story. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else to be said here because nothing else is factual. It's all speculation. And I think when you start making, um, when you start making what you or someone perceives as a factual comment based on speculation or passing comments, that's just a dangerous place to be in across anything and i think we need to be more careful in general and you know i preach this all the time around the discourse around these things because it just it's exhausting honestly and i it really drives me crazy that people are more analytical about it it is it's i because i've jeff's a friend of the show and jeff's a friend in real life like we've we've gotten yeah. beers together we've gone to hockey games like i've talked to jeff about this at length about you know being in a position where 
because he's in this space, in this insider quote space, that when it comes to speculating, that people ignore the speculation part. And that when Jeff says something, people run with it because either they want it to be true or because he's, you know, talked about things in the, in the past that have been true, that they add, instantly add weight to it. So even though in yeah. this case, it's a, it's a throw a passing comment and he maybe could have worded it better. Sure. In a live podcast sure. situation, all of us could probably word things better sometimes. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of the, the risk. But again, in his position, and I've been in this position too, where in a video, I say something and then there's context on either side. There's context where I say, I don't know that this is true. This could, you know, we don't have information to confirm this, whatever. But I, but what I say in the middle is clipped out. The context on either side is yeah. eliminated. Yeah. And then that is a story that that is a news story. And it's it's made me like really have to calculate how I say things on Twitter, on podcasts. And again, like it sucks because we just want to come out and, and have the conversations and have fun. But then you have someone like Jeff who's just getting absolutely clowned on for entire days because someone turned what he said on a podcast into a news story when it probably yep. didn't need to be a news story. And yeah, that whole saga is is just kind of highlighting what I think is so fundamentally wrong with the the way that people want that salacious stuff. Because the reality is that salacious headline, that initial like hi-fi rush is a flop. For some people, that's just the reality now. The fact that there's been yeah. corrections, the fact that Jeff Grubb has come out and clarified his statements, the fact that Aaron Greenberg has talked about it, that doesn't matter for a lot of people because they went on Reddit, they saw the initial headlines, and that's it. They're not going to follow up. They're not going to follow up on the updates. And that's what's so annoying about the news cycle now is like, you're first, and it doesn't matter if you're right, because you can update it later. But by that point, it doesn't even matter <laughs> anymore at all. So yeah, I don't know. It's true. It's frustrating. And, um, you know, it's a it's a compounding issue because the what happens then, right, is the sites that do run with those things and get the clicks from them. Right. They're the sites, generally speaking. Right. We're generalizing here a bit, but that they 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 grow faster. Like um, uh, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, they, they'll get the attention. Right. And then that brings them more attention. And, you know, we've seen some a lot of bad actors in that space. Um, but the sad thing is then they're going to be the, the sites that um, then uh, continue to do that because you're 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 basically telling them this is what you want to read by clicking on it. Um, so they're going to continue to do that, and it's just a compounding issue, right? It's a domino effect, um, which means it then spreads more into the you know the the social space, mm -hmm. and it's like I just um, every time every time it it annoys me, and I always leave a situation like this with my fingers crossed man i hope people are more educated now that this won't happen again of course it's gonna happen again like i don't know why i keep fooling myself that this is gonna correct itself or course correct over no, time. It, no it, it's it not going to and so no. you know every time it happens i dm jeff and i laugh at him and say tee <laughs> have fun bud good luck with that but it does suck is, it does suck like <laughs> this is what you get for talking uh-huh. Sorry. That's on you, boy. That's what you get for having a podcast. All right. Uh, Super Chat from Assassin here who says, I dream of a day where Microsoft could have a successful showcase to rival PlayStation's E3 2016 showcase with games, games, and more games. Oh, yes. The fabled E3 of dreams. And I think that's what Xbox fans want. And when we look at the upcoming slate of everything that's on the horizon, whether it's announced or unannounced, we know there is a potential for that show to exist. That that magical show where everything's there, Everwild's <laughs> there, Fable's there, the banjo's there, the killer instincts there, and everyone's just losing their mind and saying, "Oh my God, Xbox! They're they've hit their stride. They're doing it, baby." 
after all these years and all this time they're doing it. And the thing that I think frustrates Xbox fans is that Xbox has demonstrated that they can put out great games. They have a great platform, but Xbox has not demonstrated that year after year they can have great games. Yeah, it's inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to touch about touch on the Hi-Fi Rush situation because it was, you know, uh, interesting at the very least. Okay, Ains, next part of the show. I've seen some people in the okay. chat saying, all right, well, how come people aren't criticizing other platforms as much as they criticize Xbox? And for one, this is an Xbox-centric show, so I, I kind of need to focus on the, the Xbox part of the bubble. But I do like to talk about how everything, you know, relates to the entire industry. So we're going to do some stuff. I went on Twitter last over the course of the last two weeks, and I've been trying to get gauges on how people feel about Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo. The things that they like and the things that they don't like. So, Ains, I'll pose this question to you. I'll pose this question to people watching. What's your biggest compliment for each platform? Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo. Your biggest compliment, oh. one, one compliment for each of them in terms of the thing that you like the most about that platform. Okay, I didn't actually think about this ahead of time, so I'm definitely on the spot here. Do you want me to I dive think... in? I got mine listed, so I can I can cover for you if you need to think. No, no, I'll go off the cuff. I mean, we can do this. Oh, yeah, we go talk off about the cuff, the baby. Time. Let's do it. <laughs> Xbox, I like the community and technology focus. Uh, they've been very big about Xbox community, online play, bringing people together. Um, and giving you the technology to do that. They paved the way with broadband. They paved the way with Xbox Live. They paved the way with party systems and uh, online multiplayer. And I love that they support that in all the ways that like a tech head like myself would, right? So they've always had kind of like, they support Dolby Atmos for the home theater geek like I am, right? They have the elite controller and they have accessories and they, you know, they, they're really focused on delivering the console experience for a tech head uh, that brings friends together. I still to this day play the vast, vast majority, in fact, almost all multiplayer on xbox mm -hmm. uh for that reason it's just it's convenient it's easy works well and um they've always been good at that i love that um playstation i think playstation is very good and has been since the late ps3 gen of curating and understanding what their audience wants uh there was a lot of groundwork done at the end of the ps3 generation after pretty much they got punched in the mouth by xbox with the 360. um that Sean Layden and his team layered in to build a strong first party and understanding what needed to be built long term, which is what the success of the PS4 generation led to yep. and is continuing in into the PS5 generation. So uh, I do criticize them at times for the whole, okay, these games are a little too similar. You're going a little Ubisofty on me. Um, but they generally know what their audience likes. They generally deliver a quality product. Uh, we won't talk about Last of Us on PC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And uh, <laughs> I think, uh, generally speaking, they know that. And, and you have to take into context with PlayStation, their global presence is massive, right? Like, yes. it's easy in the Huge. U.S. to talk about Xbox and PlayStation, but there are areas globally where PlayStation is just it, and they're good at curating that for a global audience. Um, Nintendo... <laughs> Nintendo is Nintendo, man. They, they, you know what I honestly like most about Nintendo is they don't give an F. 
Dude, they just don't care. No, they don't care what Xbox and PlayStation are doing <laughs> no. at all. They don't give and a that, damn. <laughs> I have a laundry list of complaints about Nintendo. As someone who's older, grew up with what I would call the glory days of Nintendo, even they're even though they're doing better now than they've ever done. Um, you, they just don't care. They they know what their audience is. Again, similar to PlayStation in a way, they have a different global audience, a very different audience than someone like Xbox, right? And they know what the audience likes, and they deliver to it. They just do, um, whether you like the games or not. And I generally don't. I don't. I haven't turned on my Switch since last year. I don't know when the last time I turned my Switch on was. Um, but it that's okay because their games don't speak to me the same way they speak to, you know, other people, and that's fine. Um, but they deliver for that audience. And Tears of the Kingdom looks like it's going to do exactly what the audience of breath of the wild and those millions of fans want and that's fantastic um so i think that's good um yeah 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 that's it's, what I uh, mine i guess mine are a little more buzzwordy but i will uh quantify each one so for me <laughs> what i love most about xbox is that they've focused on innovation um innovation has yeah. been a huge part of the xbox brand it's been one of the most exciting things about watching xbox from the introduction of services like Xbox Live to even the original Xbox hardware itself. Everything about yep. what they've done has been so forward. Xbox Game Pass, um, they've innovated with games like Sea of Thieves. They've innovated multiplayer with games like Halo Infinite. They've just constantly over the years evolved what we expect a console experience to be, especially on the social aspect. And for me, as someone who primarily plays multiplayer stuff social is a very important component of why i love video games and why i play video games so xbox focusing yep. on innovation is exciting they continue to do it they've always done it and that's been one of the reasons that i've gravitated towards focusing on xbox because in it a lot too. of ways they have been this forward driving figure in the games industry they don't play they don't get enough credit for it they don't xbox live changed gaming forever forever fundamentally Absolutely. changed it forever Ex achievements oh. as well like and that's yep. why again i think right in the current state people are looking at xbox and saying well you did innovate in the console space but now you're not you're innovating other places but the console side has has dwindled and again yeah. playstation focuses on quality playstation like you said after you know they started early on as a they wanted to work with nintendo they branched out of their own thing they did a lot of cool experimentation with ps1 ps2 they got some of the greatest games of all time on both of those consoles as exclusives which was a huge draw to the platform but as we look at the current state they want to be the the hbo of the video games in industry and they want to put this 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 stamp and this seal on every first party title that they put out and says, yo, this is going to be one of the best experiences that will exist in the game space. And for some people, a lot of people, um, it is that games like Last of Us, people point to and say that is one of my favorite games of all time. I love The Last of Us. And there are so many marquee PlayStation franchises where people associate that God of War, God of War 2018, God of War Ragnarok, people point to and say, those are some of my favorite games of all time. They've done such a great job curating and and producing and publishing games that people love just absolutely adore and again as much as innovation is exciting i think for a lot of us the most exciting thing about the games industry are are the games themselves and and the memories that we've had playing them and those those moments where we play a game that just changes what we expect a video game to be and playstation does that in a lot of ways so 
much like you, like a lot of PlayStation genre first parties aren't necessarily what I want because again, I'm a social guy. I'm a multiplayer guy. So a lot of their stuff doesn't speak to me exactly, but I look at it and I look at the fans and I look at the energy surrounding the PlayStation brand and I say, I get it. I get why people are so excited. I get why people are so passionate. Sure, some of them are have become obnoxious console war fanboy trolls online, but... <laughs> You go to an event in person, you go to an actual event in person with people who are PlayStation fans. And it's not really that it's, it's not about yeah. the, the console war noise. It's about me playing God of war for the first time. And it just changing my life. Like those are the experiences, like a lot of PlayStation fans point to, and that's yeah. a big part of their brand appeal. So Nintendo focuses on fun. Like you said, Nintendo does not care what anyone <laughs> else is doing. They don't care what the resolution of the game is. They I, they kind of care about frame rate sometimes you know it's not 60 but they at least want to make sure it's consistent but that being said nintendo's games more than anything they focus on fun and nintendo always time and time again introduces new ideas that fundamentally change what we expect a certain genre to be even stuff like zelda a storied franchise that's been around for a while breath of the wild just it was transformative for the open world genre whether you whether you like it or not, games like Grounded and even even Elden Ring, you can you can point to how Breath of the Wild directly impacted true. the design it's decisions. True. And Elden Ring, let me tell you, that's one of my favorite games of all damn time. Yeah. Um, so they they find a way. Super Mario Odyssey, like Mario's been around forever. There's been 3D Mario for for decades, and then they come out with Super Mario Odyssey, and it's the greatest 3D platformer ever ever made they've somehow found a way to innovate and transform a, a stale genre 3d platformers where there's a reason nobody really makes them anymore because the, the the it seemed like the well had been tapped there weren't really any good ideas and then here we go boom they, they so they keep doing it time and time again and they keep making fun games that you know you can share with friends family and it doesn't matter if you're a hardcore multiplayer gamer or, or a hardcore single player gamer you can look at a Nintendo game and you can have a good time. And I think that's a huge draw for their platform. And um, again, they don't really care what the, what the trends are. They make trends. And I think that's, um, sure. that's important. Yeah. Now you nailed it, man. Um, um okay. Now we got to talk about the biggest criticisms of each of those. <laughs> now, now we got to flip it and say, you know what? This is why Xbox is bad. This is why PlayStation's bad. This is why Nintendo's bad. <laughs> Xbox, I think we've covered. My biggest criticism of Xbox is consistent delivery. That's it. Yep. Um, they do. They're my favorite place to play. I've said that many times over. Um, I'm on board with the tech. I'm on board with the multiplayer focus. I'm on board with the community. I love that they're the only leadership of the big three that truly engages with fans. I, I do say. like that. Yeah, um, I do really appreciate yeah, I, that. I, I love that. I love all those things about Xbox. And as much as... Some people like to point out Halo, Gears, Forza as some type of negative. Those are like three of my favorite IPs. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I adore uh, all three of them. I'm a big <laughs> Gears guy, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I adore them. So, um, but good God, man, we've already covered the consistency. You, you got to fix it. You just have to. Um, PlayStation, uh, this is going to sound kind of funny, but um, it, it, arrogance is my biggest annoyance oh, PlayStation. Um, we and, are and, the and, best experience. Yeah, yeah, we are the best. We're PlayStation, and therefore you're going to come to us. We don't have to come to you. And it's it's always been that way for the most part. Yeah. Uh, it was like that in the PS2 era. They tried that with the PS3. Like I said, they got punched in the mouth, which they needed to do. 
Um, but it feels like they've slipped back to that mode. And what I, what that translates to me as a consumer <laughs> is that um, they're not as, um, in some ways they are. Like I, I'm one of those few that appreciates PSVR 2. I have it. I really like it. I, I appreciate, you know, I love the Vita. The Vita was amazing. Oh, the, um, yeah. So, R.I.P. Yeah. So they experiment in some areas, but there's other areas where they just leave me baffled. Like it's two and a half years after the PlayStation 5 is launched and I can't play on my home theater with 3D sound. It's not supported. Uh, it only supports through headsets or TVs, hmm. which is just bizarre. Like that kind of stuff shouldn't happen, right? You, there, there's those weird instances I can point to where they're behind on the tech front in some areas. So I would say that's kind of two things, really. So I would say some of the tech stuff on PlayStation, but really they don't engage with their consumers in the same way that I see out of Xbox. And I wish as a fan of all gaming, that I had the opportunities to engage with PlayStation reps or people or communities like Xbox supports. PlayStation just doesn't do that. Yeah, they're very um, they, Sony focused and Sony's legacy. So they're very strictly business on that front. Yeah, they don't have a business. consumer facing person. They don't want it. Yeah, no, they're because they you'll come to us. We don't need to do that. You know what I mean? And that, that drives me nuts. Uh, Nintendo, I could take three hours on. Uh, they drive me crazy in countless ways. Hey, but, just hit me uh, with your biggest one. <laughs> yeah, the biggest one. The biggest one is just tech. Uh, yeah. I'm a tech head. You know, I I'm, I love home theaters. I always own the newest and the greatest. And I'm not even saying they have to meet me there. But for God's sakes, give me the basics, right? The fact that I can't just go on my Switch and just easily enter a party chat with someone to play a game, Oof. or you know, I, I'm still looking at Switch hardware, which is from 20. 11 you know basically uh 2012 hardware uh and it's 2023 i can't even run your you know you got tears of the kingdom coming out which we all know it's going to be a fantastic game and i think they get they skirt around that because as we said they don't care that's not their focus but for me as a tech head if they offered a 500 600 whatever it is a super switch i would buy it on day one because that's just what i want to experience and the fact that they don't even focus on the core tech things with their environment nowadays that wasn't always the case people forget that when genesis was ruling the 16-bit world super nintendo came out and said hey genesis can't do x y and z right yeah. they had mode 7 and our yeah. hardware mode is better 7, in this regard maybe? Damn. Yeah. they, they had you know and nintendo 64 they kind of dabbled in the same thing and and they've just gotten away from that and for me personally that annoys me yeah so. that definitely ties into like the focus on fun which has made the hardware take a back seat for sure yeah um, yeah again like i don't need much i just want 60 fps that's that's you know 60 fps breath of the wild man what what an experience that would be uh for me <laughs> my biggest criticism again we've touched on xbox the next segment we're going to touch on is also going to be a bunch of criticisms of xbox yeah let's go doom and, doom and gloom train um xbox's biggest complaint i'll just keep it simple i won't really even elaborate too much on it because we don't need to they overpromise and underdeliver. like they just do time and time and time and time and time again like i don't need to dredge up the past because everyone does they don't they they tell you something's going to happen it doesn't happen or it takes forever to happen and people are just tired of it so xbox that's their biggest complaint people complain about playstation and nintendo being quiet and not communicating enough um but then there's nothing to point to you don't have someone like phil spencer coming out on stage and talking about xbox vr 
or whatever the case might be. And it just leads to all these question marks. Like, why did you say that? Like, if that wasn't going to be a th surefire, 100% thing, why on earth would you come out and say that? So that's a problem for Xbox. PlayStation, as you touched on, there are, like, when I look at Xbox, I like the social component. My biggest mm -hmm. complaint, and maybe this is a small one to some people, but for me, this is an absolute just head-scratching phenomenon. Their party chat audio quality sucks so bad. <laughs> it does. It bad. sucks. It it's sucks. I, I talk to people who say, I can't tell a difference. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, it's my, my friends and I, we will go from, like, Xbox, and we'll jump over to PlayStation 5, or we'll go from Discord, <laughs> and we'll jump on PlayStation 5, and it is jarring. Like it's, yeah. it sounds like they're coming through a tin can and it's the bit rate is just absolutely t unbelievably terrible. And I don't understand why in this day and age, the PlayStation five has that I'm hoping with the discord integration that it is actually an enjoyable experience, but man, like there are moments where we literally use our dual Bluetooth headsets from Xbox and we sync to discord on PC and we use PC audio chat and then just listen to the audio on the game from Bluetooth on PlayStation 5, because yeah. it's that bad. Again, for some people, that's a small one, but for me, oh, oh, it's, well, it's hey, gross. It's so bad. That's It kind of ties into what I said I like about Xbox being tech-focused, because a lot of people don't pay attention to the little things, but the little things matter to me. And like when Xbox Series X and S came out, they talked about how they in, had improved the bandwidth and the audio codecs around the party chat system, around delay input for their controllers, you know, to connecting. Those little things to me, who's like a competitive multiplayer gamer, especially, you know, uh, at Halo and other games, those things matter a lot to me. So it drives me crazy. It's funny you said that, because last time I joined a PS5 party, I was like, oh my God, like, what are we doing over oh, here? Oh, it's, it's rough. <laughs> and again, I'm, you know, for some people, it doesn't really matter. But again, for me, who's a very social game gamer, uh, that is, uh, it's a problem. It's a real, yeah. real problem. Uh, yeah, Nintendo. Yeah. They are very forward thinking in so many ways, but they are so far behind when it comes to online infrastructure. You touched on the party chat thing. You don't even have a baked in party chat. We had to use some weird <laughs> third party app to get voice chat and it's only supported in certain games. It's not even like a de facto friends list party chat app. I got to join the Splatoon voice channel in-game via my phone to talk? What on earth is that? And there's limited just online support in general. Nintendo has such, such potential for their multiplayer when it comes to the IPs that they have and expanding into the multiplayer space online. But it just seems like you said, they don't care what PlayStation and Nintendo or PlayStation and Xbox are doing. And I think that's to a detriment when we look at the online space because more and more people want to be online. They want to play games online. And mostly, most companies are facilitating that. Nintendo's like, nah, this game's local multiplayer only. And if that doesn't work for you, sorry. It is what it is. And so that, that drives me nuts that their online features are less than Xbox 360. And it's been yeah, so it's long. Bad. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. So I, th I think in general, I don't know why when we got into this generation, now the switch is its own thing, but it's, even with the series X and PS five, you, you think about streaming and you think about, uh, YouTube, everything we're doing right here today, like all the capturing, like just social space around gaming is massive. 
And they're just not, they don't seem to be driving towards that on the console side. And it's kind of a shame, like, especially Xbox getting rid of Mixer and then just removing all of that and not having a solution. That was another huge, like, what are you doing? What are you, what um, are you doing? Yeah, you can't link to YouTube, which I think is it, baffling. No, it's crazy. You can only stream on Twitch and it's not, the integration's worse than the Xbox One original Twitch yeah. integration. So it is. And it's worse than PS5, too. And it's worse, it, exactly. So, again, Xbox being social focused, being online focused, it's weird that they're after Mixer, RIP to Mixer, because I, I did Mixer really love awesome. Mixer. I did, I loved yeah. it. It was such, yeah. the tech was so good. Uh, yeah, they just it was. said, you know what? We're spiting the world. All right. If we can't have Mixer, <laughs> Mixer can't succeed, then we don't, we don't care about anything else. <laughs> Um, all right, so the next, I'm going to shrink down the next topic because we are coming on about two hours. I don't want to keep you forever, but like I mentioned previously, over the course of the last few weeks, I've been going and getting a, a vibe check from the Xbox community about, you know, where are you at with Xbox right now? Because as we've seen online, there's been a lot of negativity. There's been a lot of pessimism. There's been a lot of criticisms. I, I appreciate everyone here who's in the chat hanging out. Again, if you're digging the show, hit the like button, share it. And I see a lot of people dropping a lot of genuine criticisms and concerns of the xbox platform of the xbox brand and i think often we're quick to say i don't agree with this so i don't want to hear it we, we do that all of us do that i think in some capacity um but i think there's a lot of stuff that we do need to talk about so on my little vibe check post i got thousands of people reply thousands wow. and i was very grateful because it could have been just a console war dumpster fire of just a hellscape, just a mentally draining, mentally taxing, exhausting thread. But it was very constructive. It was very constructive. And I really appreciate people who engaged with it in a meaningful way because there's stuff worth talking about. So I, bo I boiled it down to some of the biggest points. And I was going to have us go through and say whether or not these are genu genuine concerns, but that'll take forever. So we're going to go through what seems to be the most prevalent concerns here. And then you and I are going to role play. We're going to be we're going to be Xbox execs. We're going to go sift okay. through this information and we're going to come up with the five biggest wins to, uh, you know, appease the, the, the frustrated Xbox fans. Okay. So according to you, according to thousands of replies, these are the things that are most upsetting about Xbox right now. We had console games, Redfall in particular being the prime example, not living up to the hype of, of the console, not living up to the expectations of the console. That was a big one. A lot of people, again, were saying that Xbox games aren't consistently exciting. Um, another one, Xbox seems to be less interested in console support. Xbox has spread themselves too thin. Xbox isn't great at marketing games. Xbox doesn't have consistent high profile games. Too many games from specific genres and just generally speaking are skipping Xbox and Xbox has not improved game DVR, Xbox achievements or the UI experience in a meaningful way. Again, those are kind of like the biggest ones that I saw over and over and over and over in this thread. So Ains, you and I, we're sitting down, we're going through this feedback. We're looking <laughs> at all of these thousands of replies and we're saying, all right, we got to get some wins here. We got to get some W's on the board for Xbox fans, man. How do we do it? How do we get some W, some easy W's to, to win back the community and, and get that momentum back on track? What do you got for me, man? Hit me with some ideas. Yeah, just, just fix all that stuff, right? Fix it all. Oh, okay. Done. 
Done. Okay. Yeah, done. Easy. Let me um, type that. Fix everything <laughs> fix, fix wrong everything. with Xbox. Number one. Okay. <laughs> what, what else? Are um, <laughs> I, I think first and foremost, right? And, and this, if we're talking realistically, I don't know what the tail on these things are, so we're just going to be broad, right? I think first thing is you have to deliver, like we talked earlier, on the next 12 months, rest of 2023 into the first quarter of next year. So that means salvage Redfall, whatever that means. I hope the game lands well, uh, get that performance mode out, salvage the reputation about it. If it reviews well, make sure you let the world know that it's reviewing well. Right. Yes. Um, yep. Because you got to counter that that uh, the criticism. Now, most of the world, like we said, doesn't know what's going on with Redfall. But still, make sure the world knows that Redfall is a good game. Let's fingers crossed. Then you've got to deliver on the rest of 2023. Uh, so Starfield, Starfield is by far and away their most critical release. Right. I mean, it's going to be a, a bomb drop when that game hits. It has to hit. It, it has, has to be to ready hit. to be played. It, it it cannot miss. <laughs> so at this point in time, I, they know that, obviously. I'm not educating anyone here. But if, if there is even an inkling, I'm talking about a millimeter, that there's going to be a problem with that game and even a small vein at this point in time, I don't care what you have to do to make sure that lands as it should, but you make that happen. Um, and then, of course, the other releases, Forza, etc. I personally, if you don't have a first party surprise for us that's going to be shown in june that'll release in fourth quarter whatever that may be right if you don't have that i would be securing a major third party release for game pass in fourth quarter i don't know what game that is i don't know who it's from but i think you don't want to end with starfield being your end cap in september i think it'd be good to have something in the november early december time frame at the end of the year around the game awards to end cap the year so that would be number one for me is You've got to finish the rest of this year strong. Make sure the games that are coming are going to hit hard. Starfield has to be put on a pedestal. It's already on a pedestal. You got to make sure it stays there and doesn't get knocked off. I absolutely agree. That is something that needs to happen for Xbox is that, you know, despite some of the questionable decisions, Redfall at 30 FPS being the most recent notable one, there is still potential for Xbox to finish out the rest of the year going into 2024 with the momentum that they they want and the momentum that they should have. Like if Xbox comes out of the other side of 2023 with all of these games out the door and people are still having questions, then that's going to be a tough place to be. Because like we touched on and we've talked about previously on paper, this should be one of the best years ever for Xbox. So if one yeah. of the best years ever for Xbox isn't selling people on Xbox, then that's not good. That is just not good. So I agree. They need to make sure that high profile releases like Starfield hit, Forza Motorsport hits, um, and just finish out the year strong. And like, I agree, having some sort of cap in the holidays, because as we've learned with God of War Ragnarok and you know everyone else, Nintendo and PlayStation both have a marquee holiday release. And again, it doesn't really matter for a lot of people in the sense, but it matters when it comes to casual perception and the must-have holiday item which can grow brand awareness and get it in the conversations god of war ragnarok boosted the hell out of ps5 sales boosted it massively and that momentum's kind of carried so a lot of people are like damn i got a shiny new ps5 for holidays i'm getting hogwarts legacy on ps5 let's go and then so playstation as we've looked as we've seen has just been riding that wave they got all these yeah. new users in and they're just riding it strong. And so Xbox could use a little a little boost like that. I think Yeah, and I sorry, I was going to say to do that, right? This is this is where the day day and date with PC 
is a challenge, I think, from a marketing perspective, because if Starfield was only launching on console, not saying that would ever happen, right? Yeah. But if you're, you're a major release, like Starfield was only launching on console, you can focus around that. But I, going back to the console experience, right, you have to make it a big deal that Starfield, a game that that's that big can only be played on Xbox from a console perspective um and make sure that it's up to par that just has Ma to happen that console experience needs to rock socks all right it, yeah. it has to it really really has to and that's a lot of pressure for bethesda and and microsoft and i think that's why they're giving it so much time to make sure that when it comes out it lives up to these expectations of bethesda fans xbox fans and the people who have been waiting i know people who bought a series x for starfield so if the console <laughs> experience for starfield isn't great oh boy we are yeah. going to hear about it. We are going to hear about it, dude. <laughs> Number two, for me, Xbox needs to have a killer showcase in June. The Xbox yep. June showcase needs to slap, and it needs to have some, some fan service -y moments. It needs to have some moments that aren't, for, aren't necessarily for the cloud gamers or whatever marketing beat they're trying to express. They need to have something that's fan-centric at that show as a way to be like, hey, Xbox fans, we see you, we hear you, we are creating an experience for you. So for me, uh, Ju that June showcase, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a really yeah. interesting one. A lot of eyes on it, right? Because especially because they're mixing the Starfield kind of demonstration with it in the exactly. same, same day, right? So uh, a lot of eyes on it. You've got the world paying attention. E3's canceled now. Uh, the Summer Games Fest is that same week, but three days prior on June 8th. Um, we don't know when Ubisoft is, et cetera. So you, you have the attention of the gaming community on June 11th by yourself, make it count. Um, and you've got to basically what we've been talking about already, right? In addition to having a great showcase, you have to reaffirm your commitment to the Series X or the Series console, Series X, Series S users. You have to say, here's the games that are coming. Here's why you should be excited. Uh, and, and kind of however you do it, demonstrate that commitment to the ecosystem. I agree. We a complaint for me, and I don't know if it's a complaint for you or if a lot of people feel the same way, but Xbox almost never has their games running on their own consoles for any sort of demo. And I know it's easier and I know it's faster to have it on PC. I know there's a lot of work that goes into creating a gameplay demo or a gameplay trailer. I, I know there's a lot of work that goes into it. On the flip side, their competitors in the console space both do it. PlayStation and Nintendo. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. We know how that game looked. Play Nintendo still got <laughs> gameplay together for Pokemon Scarlet on the Switch and used that in all of its marketing, mater marketing material. And Xbox never does that. And so I think people want to see that. The console fans in particular, they want to see that running on Xbox Series X little, little text at the bottom of a trailer to like get an idea of what it's going to look like on console. But we kind of have to just guess like okay it looks like this on pc but as we've learned with redfall that ain't how it's gonna look on xbox that ain't, not, that ain't how it's gonna run on xbox either baby so yep what else we got so we got finish out the next 12 months strong in terms of game releases we got bring bring the heat with the summer game showcase what are some other fan wins here all right ains we got to get you know i'm on twitter i'm phil i'm looking at my mentions and it's bad it's rough ains people are saying i need to be fired people are saying that phil spencer needs to step down because he's single-handedly killing xbox i gotta correct this bro i need some w's in my camp what else are we doing 
I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, the big thing we always talk about is games and delivery, and I think we've covered those in those first two. I would say that you, you mentioned UI. Some people in the chat have mentioned things like Upload Studio, which is a disaster, right? We've talked <laughs> about streaming. I think that they haven't innovated in that space in terms of kind of usability for a while. And I don't think that's going to set the world on fire, right, in that. But I think a core community would appreciate a recommitment to evolving those things faster or, you know, some some major updates. Someone mentioned the achievement system. Uh, you know, we we heard we heard from an Xbox employee a few years ago that uh, achievement kind of overhaul was being reviewed and um, things would be shared at some point in the future. We nothing. Nothing's really happened there. And I I feel for a company or a brand that has been so good at innovating through since their first generation, which we touched on already, they've sorely lacked in this regard uh, lately. The cloud space is one thing. They're innovating like hell with, you know, xCloud, and we've talked ad nauseum about that. But again, I think your day-to-day -day usability for your core console customer, uh, what are you doing in that space? What are you going to do for the people who want to stream? What are you doing for people who want to share game clips and, and edit things? What are you doing for people who uh, want that kind of just fine usability that makes it a fun place to play? Um, so I would say something like that. Like I said, I don't think that's going to set the world on fire. The first two things are the things that are going to really set the, the change the narrative, if you will. Yeah, I think, again, we are looking at Xbox fans from this perspective. So I, I agree. I put revamp the console experience, UI and achievements. And that's something that people have been asking about because you remember when they did the, the, the Avatar refresh? Remember when they were showing how Disney and Pixar and how beautiful the new avatars would be and how they were excited about that. And then they released the revamp and just let it die. They did nothing yeah, with it. They didn't, they didn't improve the integration. They spent all this time and energy making them look good, but it doesn't matter because you don't really see them. They're there. You can take some profile pictures if you want, but it wasn't like 360 where they were innovating how it incorporates in the social experience. They were integrating avatar rewards into Xbox achievements. Remember playing Left 4 Dead 2 and getting dope avatar shoes and t-shirts for <laughs> yes. getting achievements? That was cool. Yeah. That was a moment where like, hell yeah, they are investing and improving achievements and really achievements again achievements aren't going to sell a console nintendo switch is just flying off the shelves it doesn't need <laughs> achievements so maybe there's data yeah. that shows like eh, it doesn't matter it doesn't do anything blah but again we're talking about the fan perspective we're talking about the things that set the xbox platform apart and those things being forgotten and kind of pushed off to the side you're you lose some differentiators and i think xbox could spend some time revamping achievements I posted this on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Hear me out. It's it's kind of wild. But I woke <laughs> up the other morning, and it came to me in a, in a dream, Ains. Uh oh, uh oh. No, it, di it didn't. But I woke up, and the first thought that popped into my head is like, what if Xbox achievements, much like Steam, they rewarded you digital trading cards as a way you can slap them on your profile. You get a little badge, whatever the case might be, but you get a cool little trading card for, for getting achievements with Xbox games. But then... What if Xbox took it one step forward and they had an Xbox platform card battling game in the vein of something like a Hearthstone or whatever, for example, where you could play on your phone, you could play it on the console, and you could earn cards by, by unlocking achievements. And you could then have take those cards into this online arena and it would really kind of invest in that achievement space in like a tangible way. You get a tangible reward of some kind that you can, you can use in this, this experience. 
where are you at with that? You think that's dumb? You think that's interesting? <laughs> I, I did see your post. I do okay. think it's interesting. And I do think that the vision of it coming to life uh, is cool. I think in practice, it's got some faults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, again, I haven't worked out all the logistics, okay? All right? Because I think that- Don't question you know, me on too many specifics. I don't have answers. <laughs> yeah, I think what would happen, right, is you're going to have the the one percenters, if you will, that chase down all the achievements, have a deck that can't be beat. Uh, and yeah, there's some balance the concerns. Okay, yeah, I get it. I do get but it. I, but I, but I like conceptually the idea, right? Um, in the sense, like you mentioned, which I hadn't thought about in a very long time, where you used to unlock like avatar clothes and stuff from games. Like I have like a Red Dead, I have gear stuff, right? Or Red Dead yeah. Redemption, Rockstar stuff from Grand Theft Auto and stuff. And uh, that was really cool. And I think to that vein of innovating with achievements and just innovation in the console space UI and how players interact with your environment on the console. They've lacked lately. Um, and they tried, they really pushed the bar forward with the 360 gen, one of my favorite gens ever, honestly. Um, and they tried with the Xbox One. We all know what happened there. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, they shouldn't be continuing to do that. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a shift in priorities or like you said, you know, they've just moved resources or what. They just don't seem to be doing that. And I think as a day-to-day, -day, and many of us are daily Xbox user who prefer to play in that ecosystem, um, it's disappointing. And I think there's probably a lot of opportunities for something in the space like you talked about. Like if you collect something, you can use it in some form, be that a game, be it, uh, you know, anything. Um, we've talked, you know, what always comes up is one verse 100. Ba yeah, like well, um, imagine Xbox is everywhere now. Xbox is on your phone. Why the hell isn't one versus 100 back? Yeah, we've heard it's coming back, right? But that... I'm not even talking about just that IP specifically, right? but conceptually, just the type of games that bring community together. They talk about the jump in. They talk about playing games where you are. You know, all the all the phrases or statements you want to make about bringing community together. And they used to seemingly have a bigger focus on that uh, in many ways. And it's just it's not there right now. And um, yeah, I think that'd be a good third. Obviously, game delivery is the key, right? A game delivery uh, Consistently, the key. game delivery is the key. But if you're talking about our day-to-day -day users like us who just want the best experience and unique experience, yeah, you got you to gotta add some spice. You know what I mean? Add some flavor. Let's talk about some fan service -y reveals. Okay, Ains, we have passionate fans. We're working on Fable. We're working on bringing Perfect Dark back. We, we have Everwild. We have State of the K3. We have all of these games cooking, all right? But we need some yeah. fan service projects. We, you and I are going to green light a couple of fan service games, all right? <laughs> Again, these are games for fans. These are games th sure. that don't necessarily need to be new IPs. They could be. If you have a great idea for a new IP, I want to hear it. But we need some fan service W's in terms of the game front, okay? We need to make some announcements that are going to get people standing up in their seats screaming. I need some Final Fantasy VII remake action right now, all right? Ains, hit me. What do you got? You, you might as well start on number two with me because you know what my first one's going to be. It's been Banjo for years, man. Oh, I banjo. know, I, oh, I know what that me, first yeah. Give me Banjo for God's sakes. What do I got to do? I don't care if it's Banjo 3. I don't care if it's Banjo 1 remake or a Banjo 1 and 2, you know, 1 and 2-y com combination remake. Just please do something. Give me Banjo for God's sakes. So for four, I put in all caps, bring back Banjo. Yes, bring back Banjo. And if I'm, you know, I Phil knows this, 
I, I've said it. He's responded. You know, he we've had responses from other Xbox people about Banjo. They promote Banjo. We've seen Banjo and Smash. We've seen nuts and bolts being promoted all of a sudden. Guys are driving me crazy. All right. For God's sakes, give me a real Banjo game. Psychonauts 2 was brilliant. One of the best platformers of all time, in my opinion. You have the talent to do Banjo justice. And it doesn't, I don't think of bringing Banjo back, remake or new game, requires the amount of resources that a game like Hellblade 2 or Perfect Dark requires, right? Come on. Come on. Come on. You can do it. You can I'm, do it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Again, I've talked about, I like Banjo. I don't necessarily love Banjo. But I see the fan energy surrounding Banjo. When Banjo was revealed for Smash, dude, there oh, was lit, so much love. There was so much excitement. And it was it was weird that Xbox has all this energy and excitement surrounding a character that's in a different get on a different platform. <laughs> like there was so much love and excitement for Banjo, but it was coming to Nintendo. And then Xbox seemingly just looked at that and said, Oh, that was cool. That was a cool moment. Yep. And then moved yeah, on with it. their life. And yeah, moved, moved on. And so, again, there might be some banjo stuff cooking. Again, there's like, again, I'm being, I'm prefacing this. Please don't clip this out of context. But there is <laughs> a definitive possibility we get a Banjo-Kazooie remake. I would not be surprised if in the nearest future they announced a remake. Not necessarily a new IP, but a remake of Banjo-Kazooie. I think that's realistic. I think that's something that's at the very least been a conversation within Xbox. So you could do that, and that's an easy fan service w right there i'm gonna add one more game to this because there's another one that i'm just livid isn't available and has been left to die killer instinct we talked about this earlier but what on Agreed. earth dude you came out Agreed. the killer instinct reboot kicked so much ass yeah. oh my god that game was so good the soundtrack mick gordon you absolute legend you absolutely <laughs> murdered every single track on that but not only that the game just felt great to play it felt like un it felt unique in the in the fighting space yeah. you've you've had uh, people really rally around that as a legitimate competitive fighting game and those communities are long lasting and xbox needs those those passionate thriving communities so the fact that killer instinct has been i misspelled killer instinct here um has just it still has the a wayside. core community around it too yeah. there's still i mean there's still an active community kill instinct and it is unique in the fighting space and as we said earlier the fighting genre seeing such a renaissance similar to horror now i mean there, there's not a better time let's go um okay five last one we got finish out the next 12 months with game release with strong game releases a thrilling summer games showcase we're going to revamp the comp console experience, including the UI and achievements. We're going to bring back Banjo and Killer Instinct. What's our last one? Our our, our slam dunk, our <laughs> the I icing believe, on the cake. I, I mean, this is bigger, so I don't know where you're trying to go with this, but I honestly believe it would uh, benefit them to secure um, a major superhero. Oh, you want to um, see a major superhero? I don't. I don't care. Oh, okay. um, I'm, not a, I'm not a superhero guy unless it's Punisher. I, I would be down with the Punisher game, um, but I'm not a superhero guy. But whether we like it or not, between the MCU, between uh, Spider-Man and what's going to be Wolverine on PlayStation side, uh, we know the love of Batman, right? And Arkham, the there's just a lot in that space. And it's a huge, huge audience with gigantic revenues. And I think securing in some form, I, I don't have answers, obviously, but securing a major superhero character as an Xbox IP 
right? Or at least some whatever the exclusivity looks like in developer, um, I think would be a big win and attract a lot of eyes. Again, we look at PlayStation and we look at the success of Spider-Man. And this is not to downplay what Insomniac delivered because they did deliver in a lot of ways, probably the best superhero game um, just from a a polish and and quality perspective in a lot of ways for a lot of people. But Spider-Man is also a juggernaut IP regardless of who touched it or what the quality is. That's what I mean. It's just... It's it's, people love it. Spider-Man is going to buy. It's going to sell. Exactly. So what's the hero then? What's Xbox's equivalent answer i guess if we're picking a superhero that (laughs) xbox is going to try to throw down big money to make an exclusive game for and who's making it i mean batman's the clear pick if you look at if you look at superhero ip strength right like brand awareness batman's the clear pick if you can't have batman i don't really know you know there's been jokes for many years around superman and what a game of superman would look like i think hulk's probably up there um, you know, I mean, there's plenty to pick from for me personally, like I said, I, I would be down with Punisher. I'd adore Punisher. Um, he's not really a superhero, <laughs> but he is a big comic presence. You know, I think, uh, I think the coalition could make a pretty good Punisher game. I've talked about the exact same thing, man. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. Give it to me. I'll put, I'll put but, that uh, in there as well. It's probably not the number one console selling pick, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you're talking about IP strength and, and eyes, it's got to be Batman. I mean, he's the only one that's up there with Spider-Man, really, in terms of IP strength. And we know, like we said, the Arkham series is beloved. We know that Gotham Knights didn't hit to that level. We know that Suicide Squad doesn't look like it's going to hit to that level um, because it's just it's not Batman. And and it goes back to what we're saying. The character is what the people love, right? Sp- if, even if Spider-Man on PS4, PS5 wasn't as good as it was, and it's a great game, even if it wasn't, still would have sold like ridiculous numbers. Um, And I think you can do that with a Batman level character. Okay. So we're we're going to WB. We're going to WB and we're saying, all right, we want Batman. We wanted, we want Xbox wants Batman. We want to develop a Batman series. Yes. What's the developer we're, we're bringing to the table and saying, these guys want it. These guys want to do it. These guys are the ones that are going to do it. Who is it of Xbox's stable right now? Oh, we're talking first party. Yeah. In-house Xbox going to WB and saying, this is it. This is the team that's going to make the greatest Batman game ever. Who's doing it, bro? Good question. I'm, I'm running through my head because what I'm thinking is it's got to be AAA because you need to compete at that level, in my opinion. Um, so you're talking about a big investment, which means mm-hmm. you need you need a big studio. You need lots of talent. And ideally, you want something that's going to be able to have a well-written story and narrative because that's what your core Batman fan's going to want out of a comic-based game, right? Um, It may be an obvious choice, but I'm going to go with Obsidian. Yeah, I'm with you. I was just thinking that. They have done a really good job with world-building, storytelling, and I could see Obsidian uh, nailing that, really. Let's not forget Obsidian made Knights of the Old Republic 2. Yeah. they they've made some core RPGs. They can write. They have they have hella talent when it comes to writing stories and narrative. Let WB work with them. Keep it in canon, right? Um, bring us the core characters. Get a good voice actor for Batman. Come on, come on, come on! Like th- these conversations have to be going on. Like y- you need you need a superhero presence. And I'm not even the guy that buys them. I don't care for superhero games. But it, I mean, just look at the industry. Y- you need it. 
All right, so I'll pose a question to the people watching and listening. All right, so Ains and I, in this hypothetical scenario, we are the heads of Xbox and we are going to be bringing, <laughs> we're going to finish out the next 12 months strong with game releases. We're going to give you one of the best game showcases from Xbox this summer. We're going to revamp the console experience with UI achievements, show you that we're invested in the console. We're going to bring back Banjo and Killer Instinct, and we're going to give you Batman by Obsidian. Do you want to, if we can do all that, do you still want us fired? Is that... <laughs> if we can do all of that is that enough for you okay or are you still coming for my job are you not entertained what else can i do okay oh I, I gotta be honest with you if i was someone like sitting in phil's chair and we actually delivered on those five things which you know we're talking pipe dreams at this point yeah but you know we actually deliver on all of that uh, and there's fans still uh, complaining, I'll be like, I'm retiring. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. If I, yeah, I'm done with these guys. If, if this happened and people were still like <laughs> uncertain about Xbox, like, okay, you know what? Somebody else jump in the seat. I don't. Good luck to you. Godspeed to you. I'm out. I'm riding my yep. my yacht off into the sunset. I'm done, dude. Yeah. Yep, I'm done for sure. Um, but I think uh, you know, someone said uh, Star Wars over superheroes, and I think that it's the same point, right? There's there's certain IPs. Look at how well Hogwarts Legacy has done. It's it's the sales are disgusting. How oh, well that game is sold. The brand power, um, it's absurd. It's and that's what I mean. That fantasy IP brand power cannot be understated when it comes to certain things. And superheroes just happen to be one of them. You know what I mean? Yep. Be probably because they make for good games. In theory, they have that setting that translates well. So yep, yeah, absolutely. Ains, appreciate you, man. Uh, we went through the gauntlet. We had some good conversations. I'm glad we could have some some deeper ones about you know tech and analysis and how we interpret yeah. that information and i appreciate you we always have some good conversations so always appreciate having you on so thanks again man one more time for everyone hanging out with us where can they find you where what are you working on yeah man no doubt brother you know i love chatting with you always always a pleasure to come on um you're my one of my favorite people in the Xbox community to speak of, and I don't mean just Xbox, but in general, you know what I mean, but talk about Xbox with. So thank you. Um, as I said, Season Gaming, um, you know, you can just go to the site, seasongaming.com and find everything. But we do a weekly live show Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern called The Big Cast. Um, we do another bi-weekly show called Cast Co-op. We do, you know, articles, reviews, et cetera. So we do the whole kind of gamut. Uh, appreciate you checking us out. We don't do any ads. It's all self-funded. I fund all of it. Um, so we don't, uh, you know, we don't kind of, uh, get in the, the clickbait space. We don't have ads. We don't get into all that. It's just core gaming news. Um, if you don't mind, let me call out two other things real quick. Do it. Get it. Get <laughs> it right. out there. So I want to shout out to a couple of our friends in the industry, uh, or in the gaming space. So one, I want to shout out to Rand, uh, our good buddy Rand. He lost his dog, I believe yesterday or the day before, which, you know, any of us who are really close with their pets and have that relationship with your dog or cat or whatever it may be that that's a significant thing it's like losing a family member yeah rand's a good dude and i want to just shout that out and say sorry to hear it, brother and you know all the best obviously um and then on a, on a more serious note i want to call out hoag so rick hoag who uh runs his own channel of course 
and does virtual legality who's a bitcast co-host you know he had a stroke in december mm -hmm. obviously completely unexpected his recovery uh journey has been amazing to witness uh he's coming back he's on his channel which is hoglaw he has been doing videos around his recovery and what having a stroke in the 40s and the recovery looks like his rehab. It's a very, very interesting, insightful thing. Um, he's a really genuinely good guy. So I just want to shout that out as well. So um, appreciate you giving me the second to do that. Absolutely. No, I really appreciate you. Yeah, because Rand um, lost his his dog, Shake Spear, which is a family Spear. pet for a long time. And that's a huge bummer so yeah send all your love to rand i know i i hugged my dog this morning i had two people post on twitter that today that they lost their longtime dogs and it, it's a bummer yeah That's if you have longtime family pets you know what they mean to you so just shout out to rand and shout out to hogue who it's been so awesome to see him out and about he's been on like yeah. bitcast he's been back he's been doing his own content and i've seen him making the rounds another podcast and it's, yeah. it's awesome to see him back in there because yeah that was such a that was such a stressful moment and there was like all these highs and lows surrounding it and it seemed like so uncertain as to what this would mean for him so it's been awesome to see him yeah. back out so appreciate you giving them some shouts and so again send all the love we all should be a little bit nicer to each other we all can regardless of you know where well, you stand with someone um yeah a little love in a time like that means means a lot so appreciate you dude appreciate everyone who shows love by by watching the show, listening to the show, dropping likes, dropping comments. Huge shout out to all the channel members who've been supporting this endeavor. Huge shout out to all the folks who've bought some Xbox Chatterdays drip. I, some of you sent me some pics, <laughs> stoked to see that. Um, next week, I will have Andy Cortez from Kind of Funny joining me for the first time. So nice. excited to get him in the hot seat and talk about some games. And I think that's gonna be it. I'm off to go see Evil Dead Rise. Yes. Have an amazing weekend an amazing week everyone and i will catch you next saturday take care peace